1: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy.
3: Fall guy. That's what the poster said?
1: See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy.
3: Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. The wait is almost over. A new football season is about to begin. Get ready for the NFL Week One action with DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To celebrate the return of football, DraftKings is giving new customers a can't-miss offer. Bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. Want more action for opening night? Everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings' early win promotion. Get up seven, you win. Bet on any NFL team of your choice, and if your team leads by seven points at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team loses. DraftKings is safe, secure and reliable Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now And use the promo code THPN To get $200 in free bets instantly When you place a $5 bet on any football game That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook An official sports betting partner of the NFL Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply Want to go
2: pretty boy?
0: And welcome to the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 239 of the Big Show, some Enforcer-based podcasting coming at you, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? Sorry folks, a little late today. I know normally you wake up and, uh, and, and the, uh, and the episode's right in your inbox, bright and early, ready to roll. Um, unfortunately, um, I recorded last night. And uh, then afterwards, it was about 9 o'clock, I went upstairs, had some supper, uh, sat, on the, sat on the couch, talked to my wife for a little while, and proceeded to fall asleep. So, <laughs> yes, yeah, so, so unfortunately, and then when I woke up, I'm like, ah, uh, whatever, I'll, I'll do it after work. So you're going to get the late Wednesday, my apologies. But, here we are. It is time, folks. The 6th Annual Bob Probert Invitational Tournament voting starts the the gloves drop September 3rd Saturday coming up here high noon uh, I'm really looking forward to it and uh, kind of did the annual uh, preview show and uh, and I was joined by two guests for this episode uh, Steve from when Probert was uh, you all know Steve he's done this a few times now if he's become a regular for the bracket shows. And then uh, Dante uh, was nice enough to join us as well. And uh, I had Dante on um, when I did my the 200th episode, and I wanted to get him back on. Good dude. And uh, we took this opportunity to uh, make it a kind of a three man discussion. And, uh, and it's a long one, folks. Back a lunch. You're in for one. Um, and that was the thing. My, my wife, I'm like, holy man, we went for a long time. She's like, well, make it two parts. I'm like, well, I can't because the tournament starts Saturday. I mean, I suppose. Well, now that I'm saying this, I suppose I probably could have done, you know, one half of the bracket today and then on Sunday done the second half because we wouldn't be at that part yet, but eh, whatever. I'll give it to you all at one time. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you could space out your listening. Um, I, I, I know, uh, whenever I talk to Paul Ferrone, he always says he runs to the, and listens to the podcast. Uh, I'm sorry, Paul, you, you, I might turn you into a marathon runner with this one. I might kill Paul Ferrone if he's going to run for the entire length of this episode. But,
3: uh,
0: <laughs> um, anyway, welcome guys, thank you. So uh, this intro is going to be very short because, like I said, we I can't remember how long we went for, but it's like, I, it's two and a half hours, I'm pretty sure. So I won't uh, take up too much of your time. Um, yeah, outside of 5 for Fighting podcast with Alec, uh, hit the YouTube and uh, hit his channel up, hit subscribe. He's got all the East Coast League fights from last year up there, and he's put up some compilations lately that are tremendous. Also, with his show, um, he's got a he just had Cole Fraser on. Uh, he's got a few of the East Coast League guys on. He's got a tremendous back catalog by Lois, uh, Little John, on and on. You know this. You know this story. The regular listeners, you know what's up. I would, I would, I would think most of the people listening. We have like crossover, are like five for fighting listeners as well. So. And of course, Kevin Lazino, I knew Favre wouldn't, he can't stay retired, folks. Yeah, Jolton Joe is coming back, I don't know when, but he's coming back. But he's changed it up here. He's not going to be the Islanders anymore. It's going to be a Quebec Nordique podcast. So um, I talk about it at the start of the show um, with Dante and Steve, Um, so I'm not going to name out who, who his guests are, because you never know if they're going to show up or what have you, but I know he's talked to a couple of guys, he wants to get back into it, trying a little something different with the Nordique stuff, so I'm looking forward to that, so, oh yes, I'll be back doing the Lazito promos if he, uh, if he drops something, but, um, outside of that, guys, I'm not going to keep you for very long. The only thing that kind of, that bugged me, and I thought, I didn't, I thought about it afterwards, I had Steve on, and of course, Steve created the fundraiser to relaunch Drop Your Gloves, the website Drop Your Gloves, and he has, and it's called the Fight Chronicles, and uh, I wanted to, I, I'll get him back on, maybe I can record again with him real quick, maybe I'll put him on on Sunday, and we can talk about the Fight Chronicles, just to see where we're at, I know um, the the site is up, and you can go to it, fightchronicles.com, and uh, again, it's going to take a lot of work. A lot of people, uh, you know, are, are uh, going to be entering box scores and all that type of thing and fight cards, so bear with. It's not like, oh, it's, it's not like as good as Drop Your Gloves was. Well, yeah, but Drop Your Gloves was around for 10 years. You know, Drop Your Gloves looked like a shell of itself when it first started, too. So, you know, baby steps here, folks, but... Steve has put a tremendous amount of effort into it tremendous amount of his own money as well I mean we he did some fundraising tried to do our best to raise some cash and we did all right, but Steve uh, really stepped up and I mean I think I and I've said this a number of times I said the fight world and us fight fans and hobby collectors and hobbies hobbyists and just fight fan enthusiasts owe Steve a huge debt of gratitude and he stepped up, man. And we all sat and bitched and whined The drop your gloves is gone, but Steve was the only one that did anything about it and took some initiative. So, um, yeah, fightchronicles.com. Check it out. And, uh, I will have him on to talk about it further. Actually, hopefully this Sunday. So as we go into the long weekend here in September, can you believe, August, can you believe August is over already? Unbelievable. And then also I had Dante on and, uh, Dante wanted to, uh, Wanted me to throw throw this out there. I was not aware that he did this until I was talking to him last night about last night. But I didn't know he was this deep into it, and uh, until he talked to me about it last night. And then, uh, you know, and I wanted to uh, promote him for coming on. And uh, if for anybody listening out there, I am not into the not that I'm. I I don't know anything about this market, NFTs and crypto. I'm not the guy to ask about this. But Dante is. If you want to get a hold of him, he's on Facebook. Um, or if you're if you're wondering, um, the links are um, Tribe Quaka is the name of what it's about, and he has a podcast, and it's called the Zarcast, and it's available on YouTube as well as on Spotify. I'll put the links in the description for the show, and uh, if you want to get a hold of Dante and have more questions about this, and you're into NFTs and crypto and that type of thing. Um, Get a hold of me, and I will put you in touch. I will be the conduit. I will get you in touch with Dante. But uh, yeah, guys, I wanted to pass that on. Dante's a good dude, and I want to help him out as any any way I can. So yeah, if you're into that stuff, definitely uh, give it a look see. Um, and actually, it's um, it's something. I mean, it's I mean, it's the rage right now, right? I mean, and everyone's talking about it. And I'd like to. I know a little bit about um, the crypto world, a little bit. Um, I'd like to, I'll sit down with Dante a little further and he can kind of uh, explain it to me better. But, uh, yeah, for those interested, check out Dante. But, um, yeah, guys, other than that, I'm going to shut up. Let's get into this. Um, Saturday, like I said, starts on Twitter. High noon. Get, if you're not on Twitter, oh, I'm just the Facebook guy. Ah, sign up for Twitter. It literally takes a minute and a half. Just be the anonymous egg be I don't know hammer of the god 69 whatever and just so you can uh just so you can vote fourth line voice on twitter just follow the account the fights will come up every every day the There'll be the new uh, bra- or new round starts and uh not a new round yeah i guess it's a new round a new round of fights will start and we vote and i think the whole thing takes about 10 days i think 10 or 11 days to declare the winner and uh 64 start and one remains so but, uh, in the meantime, I hope you guys enjoy this bracket preview show. I had a lot of fun sitting down talking with Steve and Dante. Again, I want to thank those guys for coming on. I know it was, cause it was a two hour time. They were like two hours ahead of me, right? So, I mean, by the time we were done, it was closing in on like midnight their time. So, and I mean, everybody had to work today. So, I want to thank them for taking out the time and, uh, and, uh, sitting down and, and, uh, and, and bullshitting. And it was a lot of fun. So. I look forward to this every year. I know a lot of listeners do. I know a lot of people on Twitter do. So I hope you all get out and vote. Uh, let's make this thing trend again. I mean, there's so much bullshit going on in the world. I think we could all escape a little bit and do some, have a little uh, enforcer hockey tournament. I think that would be fun. So uh, get out and vote. And uh, yeah, let's have at her, folks. Here's a, the sixth annual Bob Probert Bracket Preview Show. I'll talk to you cats on Sunday. Thanks, everybody. Get out and vote. Alright, here we are on the fourth line voice. Special episode, folks. It is the sixth annual Bob Probert Invitational Preview Bracket, or Bracket Preview, I guess I should say, episode. And I got, oh, a distinguished panel today, I'll tell you. First of all, I got that from whenprobertwasking.com, Steve. Steve, how you doing today? I'm good, thanks for having me on. Well, thanks for coming back. I mean, what have we done here? We've done this like two or three times, I think, over the years. I think so, you're right, yeah. Yeah, Look and then, uh, yeah, well, and then we got a newcomer to the panel here. Well, he's not, I've had him on the show before, but this is his first, uh, bracket preview show. But Dante, Dante, how you doing today? Good. How's it going, Steve? I'm good, thanks. Welcome to the show. Yeah. Welcome to the channel. Thank program. you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, well, I think, uh, and for those tuning in, this is episode. Did I say this already? Episode two thirty nine. Look at this. We're like one minute in. And I'm already lost in my notes. Uh, episode two thirty nine. I'm going to do the intro now, so I don't have to do it later. Um, proud member of the hockey podcast network, and uh, here we are The annual, sixth annual. I can't believe it's been six years already. Um, oh, wow. before, I know. And I mean, it's uh, and it's it's. I always I always credit this tournament. For, uh, as the kids say, blowing up my account. This, this got me the first Bob Probert Twitter tournament without a word of a lie got me about a thousand followers from the tournament. And, uh, that's kind of what got this whole sh- circus going. And, uh, it's been kind of a staple every August. I know it's a little later this year, but, uh, and it's been, it's been fun every year. It's been, it's trended a few times on Twitter, uh, over the years. And, uh, I've had ex-players. I've enjoy it get mad about it swear about it uh, you know it's, <laughs> it's 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 led to a lot of things but I think for the most part people enjoy it and uh, and I enjoy doing the bracket shows um, and like I said we had uh, done this with Steve a few times and uh, yeah I think it's gonna be fun today with with another with Dante on board and uh, if you guys are ready we should get into these matchups all right Let's do it all right. Oh, and then, uh, before I do that, I've I've been asked a couple times by people, well, who are the previous winners? So I'll do this real quick. First one was Brian McGratton. Second, Tony Twist. The third was Semenko. The fourth was Bugard. And last year's winner was Dave Brown, who defeated Joey Coaster in the final. So there you go. There's uh, That's a pretty uh, distinguished list. I don't know. I don't think you could poke too many holes in those winners. Ah, Semenko, eh, I don't know about that one. But... Uh, but pretty solid group there. I don't think we could get, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think that's, that's too bad. I mean, we don't have, you know, yeah, I don't think anybody's out of the realm there. So, um, yeah,
2: no, I feel like that list. You can, you can see one of those guys coming out of, out on top
0: every single year, you know, just all depending on the matchups. They're all, you know, well, that's all
2: legit choices.
0: That's true. And then for, again, for everybody out there, um, If you didn't see my video, once again, it's 64 guys. All the matchups are computer generated. They're just, each guy is numbered. I put the number into the computers and the computer picks these matchups. So you get what you get. So for those telling me, I can't believe you got this guy versus that guy in the first round. Well, I didn't do it. The old, uh, the old computer here, you know, go yell at, I don't know, Steve Jobs or something. It wasn't me. You know, (laughs) it was the computer. Um, so, uh, uh, but I will say this year, maybe more so than other years, there are some really interesting matchups this year and there's Absolutely. some, there's some real tough ones. And, uh, yeah, cause I kinda, I, I mean, obviously I wrote the thing out and whatever I posted it and stuff, but I really didn't look at it hard until about 20 minutes ago. Before I got along the line with you guys <laughs> and I start looking and I'm like, holy shit, this is, this is going to be difficult. Yeah. Um, it,
2: it's, it is, it's very difficult and there's some really interesting matchups. And also like when I was going through the list, there's some, there's some dream matchups in here. I think like I went through and I highlighted ones that, um, I would just love, I would love to see these matchups happen like with both guys in their prime. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a very, very cool list.
0: Yeah, and I, exactly, and I, and I, and, and that's another thing, and well, you guys, <clears throat> we were talking about this before we got going, and I mean, people are gonna vote how they vote, whatever. Um, I've always sort of looked at this, so if anybody as, as we go on and you're listening to the show here and you're like, I'm, I'm giving you my thought process beforehand about how I came to my conclusions. I've always looked at this as both guys are in their, like, what is the guy's prime? And it's prime versus prime. wherever that may be, that's how I've looked at it. So if the matchup did happen in real life, yeah, but was the guy a rookie when it happened? or And the other guy was a vet, or blah, blah. Or was one guy at the end of his rope, and the other guy was just sort of in his prime? So it's not really a fair comparison. I always try to look at it with both guys in their primes. And that's how I judge it. That's how I do it anyway. You know, so. Anyway. On Steve, I'm, I'm assuming that's how you would as well. Yeah,
1: prime versus prime, you know, I, I, I think we were talking about it before the show, we started recording, uh, you know, t- you try to like, I try not to like overthink it too much, you know, you, you, you know what they, we, what they did in their prime, you know, you've, you've seen all the footage and you just try to break it down that way. I don't really think you, you want to like, I think sometimes like when we're on the, the Facebook met, you know, boards or whatever and we're, you know, debating, a, you know, a hypothetical. I think people get really, really carried away. It's, oh, well, if he played in this era, you know, he'd be able to take advantage of all the vitamins and supplements and, you know, and all this. Uh, you know, I just think of, all right, how, how good were they in their prime? How would, how would this look, you know, as a matchup? And, you know, try to figure out the winner from there.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, Dante, I mean, this is your first one. So, I mean, how were you approaching it when you were looking at the list? Uh, exactly how you said it. I I
2: went through, and then the first thing I did was I I searched to see, you know, obviously if there's different errors. I didn't do this, but like you know, guys that might have might have been close um, to to playing around the same time. I searched to see if there was any fights uh, that they had against each other, and then I factored in, um, you know how you know if a guy was was in his prime or a guy coming to the end of his career or even like coming like a a rookie guy coming up uh against someone in their prime i kind of try to take that into consideration so i didn't i didn't put a a whole lot of weight into um anyone who actually won a head-to-head fight i just kind of looked at it and then i just looked at like body of work um And if there was other like comps, like I I kind that's kind of like what I called it. Like um, you know, if they fought, if they fought the same guy, how those matchups turned out for each fighter. So I just kind of did it like that. But like Steve said, I didn't, I didn't try to get too scientific. Like there's some that I just, I just kind of went with like "Ah, what I think happened, you know. Yeah. Uh, And then there's some that I just have stupid logic for, (laughs) like you know, like who I would, who I just wish would win or. Um, you know, like the second matchup, my, my logic is kind of stupid for, um, we'll get, when we get to that one, but, um, yeah, just stuff like that.
0: Yeah. I mean, well, like you said, it's just all, everything's just hypothetical. I mean, you know, like I was telling you this morning, right? I mean, really at the end of the day, there's no right or wrong answer to this. I mean, there's no, how do you judge it? It's just all opinion. Right. So there's no way to judge yeah. if you're right or wrong. So, Yeah. So, but no, anyway, you
1: know, too, and know what I try to do sometimes. Sometimes I have a little fun with it because there's so many variables in a hockey fight. You ain't, you can't tell me, you know, that this guy can't beat this guy in a given night. So sometimes I'll just be like, all right, here's my upset special in this round. You know what I mean? And I'm just, I'm just gonna see what happens with this one. You know, because sometimes it happens in real life. You know, a guy might just be clearly better than him, but for some reason in that one matchup, he lost straight up. Who would have thought yep. Kirby Ragman would beat Joe Koser? But he did. You know, so mm-hmm. there's your upset special, you know what I mean? It just happens. Even though on paper you think Coach is going to cr- crush this guy. You yeah. know, it's just kind of, you know, you know, one of those things. So you, you want to have a little fun with it. It shouldn't just be like one of these like, no way, you know, O'Reilly beats, you know, Eric Bolton every single time, man. You know, you're, you're fooling, you know, people get so into it, you know what I mean? But you got to have mm-hmm, a little yeah. fun.
0: Yeah, I've always said like with, the, with some of the guys, like when they do, and you'll see this as the voting is going on in the tournament, Oh, this guy would—he'd ju- end him. He'd crush uh-huh. him, and it's like, really, why? Why would he end him? I don't, like, what, this, was he this guy ever ended before? Like, I mean, I don't know. Like, you know what I mean? It's just—I mean, I, I mean, okay, <laughs> he'd you can just say in. he'd win. I mean, why? Why the the you know the hyperbole that has to go into this? I don't know about killing or destroying. I mean,
3: <laughs>
0: you know, it's like no. oh, like yeah, Jody Shelley would end him. Well, I mean, hey, I, I love Jody Shelley, but, I mean, how many guys did Jody Shelley, air quote, end? Like, none that I remember, so I don't know why all of a sudden he's going to do it in this tournament, but all right, if you want to say that, that's fine. But it was just sort of how people get, and then, of course, you, look, you go look at the guy's, you know, his avatar is a Columbus Blue Jackets logo. Well, okay, well, now I see why Jody Shelley's going to end this, so, you know, like, mm-hmm. I get it. You know, that's eh, it's fine, I mean, that's all part of it, but it's... Sometimes it kind of cracks me up. It's like, ah, I think we could probably dial down the, the, uh, you know, the, what would it, what might it turn out to be an attempted at homicide here? I don't think it'll be that bad, but, <laughs> you know, but.
2: Uh, yeah, no, there's nobody on this list that does not belong on it. You know, you can pretty much, like, if this, if this, um, you know, if this was like 300 years into the future and nobody knew what hockey fighters were anymore and you just pick any one of these guys that, that you know, they were the only surviving video of a hockey fighter. Like that, that'd be fine, you know. Yeah. That
0: would uh, yeah. Well, that's always what like. Yeah, you these are all
1: legit tough guys. Oh yeah, time. it was always like
0: yeah. oh yeah, because you always get like I was telling Steve I said and not so much this year surprisingly, but every other year it's like oh where's so and so and it's like okay I mean that's fine I get it but it's like who do I replace like who on this list is so bad that I they yeah. just have to be eliminated for this guy. Well, I'm just saying. Well, why, well you know. Well,
1: I, yeah, I was curious why Daniel Merzen wasn't on the list.
0: Well, I know you I were.
1: Mean, I'm still, I mean, you still haven't answered that for me. Well, maybe, maybe after the show we could discuss. I,
0: I can always say there's going to be, a, hopefully <laughs> there'll be a seventh annual. And maybe, you
3: know.
0: <laughs> maybe he'll make the cut. Maybe we'll, we'll sneak him in next year. I don't know. But yes. But uh, yeah, so always, we'll see. There's always, a few, I mean, like I always tell people, I said, there's probably like a core... Probably forty guys that'll always be on it, and then I kind of rotate 20, 24. You know, I kind of, I kind of do it that way. You know, but, but yeah, there's always going to, I mean, you could make a hundred man bracket. There's going to be somebody that's worse, so and so. Okay, well, I can't make it a hundred and one. Yeah. It's got to be even, man. So sorry, you know, like, just that's <laughs> that's the way it is. But anyway, here we go. Enough yapping here. Let's get into this. Sixth annual Bob Probert invitational round one, the first matchup of the bracket. That's a good one. Darren,
2: yes. before we do that, can I can I just give a quick shout out to uh to two of the guys you had on the uh the last episode, the uh the on the spot episode. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um William Chippeway, um since uh, like he's William's the reason why you like I I owe my friendship to you to William because when you were calling, you know, for some, for some fans just to come on
0: and yes. I heard the
2: William Chippeway episode, I was like, all right, you know, I, cause I, I'd wanted to do it and I just didn't really have like the nerve to do it. And then, and then William came on and I was like, all right, he seems just like a regular guy, like, you know. So I, I love William and I love that of all the people, when you ask to, to list the most disappointing fighters, he, he just got right into it. He had no problem. He's like, Oh, you want to know who I think sucks? You know? Yeah. And he just starts <laughs> rattling off guys. Um, so yeah, shout out to William Chip away. always a fan whenever he's on the show and, uh, and Joe Lazito. My God, like I don't know what his, uh, his future is. I can't wait to, um, you have him back on and he does. And he, and he drops his, his his special news, what he's doing. But that guy couldn't – his love for that team just would not allow him to say a bad word about anyone. You could just feel it. Like, he, he just had so much love for that, for that team. That I hope that whatever, that whatever he's got going on in the future, I hope it involves the team in some way where, like, he's – I'd love to see him just work for the team in some capacity – you know, as like a color guy or a radio guy or something. Because he couldn't do it. There was no there was no possible way he could say a bad word. So shout out to Joe, too.
0: Oh, don't give him any more publicity. Come on, Dante. <laughs> Jesus. You know, Lozito's got a giant bison heat already. Now it's just going to get bigger. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, well, I knew if I got, I'm i going to make him say the five worst New York Islanders, he was just twisting in the wind. To listen mm-hmm. to him squirm. Even though it was audio, I knew he was squirming. Yeah, but old yeah, William like a true he stepped up like a trooper and he was like, I'll tell you who sucked, and he went right at yeah. it. <laughs> even, though he's a, yeah. even though he's a massive Love Jets it. fan, he had no problem. Yeah. Yeah, you Searson, Lazito, I take a lesson from William Chipaway. But I can tell everybody before yeah, look here, we're totally off track here. But I will say, because Joe has already announced this. His announcement would be, I knew, he's like, he's like Favre, man. He's like Brett Favre. He couldn't stay retired. I knew he couldn't. He is he has ditched the New York Islander podcast. And he is coming back with a Quebec Nordiques podcast. And, uh, and he has a bunch of ex-Nordiques players lined up and ready to go. So, yes, he is He is back. And I know his first guest, his first guest might come up here shortly in the, in the bracket. But, uh. Yes, he is uh, back with uh, Nordique. And like I said, and that's great as fight fans for everybody listening because um, as in-depth as I like to think I get, uh, uh, it's not even a fraction of in-depth. Like, Lazito starts talking social insurance numbers and shit. That's how in-depth he gets. <laughs> I mean, yeah. he'll, he will not leave any stone unturned. And uh, plus, I think the cool thing with Lazito is plus, his all his time in New York and, and around the... and. So much time around the guys. So he has that personal interaction with them as well, which in turn, I think, gets... You get deeper answers out of them. Because they're like friends, right? So I think he there's a level of trust there that I think a lot of podcasters don't... Probably most podcasters don't have with their guests. And uh, so I think you get some really, really inside, unique stories when Joe's doing the interview. So I'm really looking forward to some of the guys that... Hopefully he can get on the show. Like I said, from doing this show a million times, I know there's there's lots of guys that say they'll do it, and then it just never happens. So who knows? But So that's why I won't call out names of who he's talked to. But there has been a few guys that were like, yes, for sure. So hopefully they get to do it, because I'm really looking forward to that. And uh, some of the names are pretty cool. And I really enjoyed his Islander one. And I, it's, I have always said this and it's a real shame that he never got to interview Clark Gillies because yeah. I, yeah. and yeah. I've yeah. said yeah. and I've said it a bunch of times and I mean it when I say it, I'm not just saying it cause Joe is my friend. If he had interviewed, if Clark had given him the time and like was all for it and down for it, it would have been the best Clark Gillies interview ever done is if Lazito had done it because he knows everything about him and he's the mm-hmm. he's the reason he got into hockey and he was the that was his favorite player. He knew everything about Gillies. And if it, and it's just a shame that we never got that interview cuz I think a lot of untold stories would have been told. And uh, yeah, so that sucked. So that he never and I know there had been talk about it and it just unfortunately, you know, Mr. Gillies passed away, but uh, yeah, that it would have been good. That would have been really good. So, but anyway, that's Lazito's news. Now that Dante's throwing a wrench into me already here with his Sorry. with his Lazito talk. Oh God. Yeah. yeah, Joe Joe I can't even escape him on my own show. I can't even escape him. Yeah. But here we go. First round, first matchup. Big Peter Orell versus Darren Kimball. Steve, what are we looking at here?
1: Uh well, I always I love Kimball. You know, it especially like for a fight fan, he's like one of those guys that you, you kind of gravitate to because he liked the open style fights, you know, yep. the, the real toe to toe style fights, you know, left-handed, right-handed, you know, he could switch him up. And he was one of those guys that you would almost be, should be impressed. Like, Oh my God, I can't believe the way, you know, he could take punishment and dish out at the same time. And, you know, and he excelled when he was taking on guys that were like similar, you know, open, you know, offense first style, you know, going all out, you know, um, and it, it, it was kind of like a high risk, high reward, you know, he, he, you know, upset, you know, a, a monster like Troy Crowder, you know what I mean? But at the same time, he's taking a lot of punishment. You know, uh, I, a, a guy like Peter Warrell is is going to be a little bit of a different kind of animal for Kimball because Warrell is a, a, a huge, you know, fighter with a massive wingspan who wasn't into those toe-to-toe style fights he wasn't into you know like those all-out wars of attrition you know he was more of a kind of hold you at at arm's length you know pot shot you from a distance you know uh maybe ragdoll you a little bit you know and then you know wrestle away a little bit you know he wasn't really into trading shots all out you know and it you know i i know i I wasn't a huge fan of his when he you know did his thing but you know couldn't really deny him i think you know for a couple of years in the early 2000s, you know, you could argue he was a top five heavyweight, you know, uh, in, in the game. And, you know, again, not my cup of tea style wise, but I really think Kimball run, runs into a lot of issues dealing with, you know, worlds, you know, arm, you know, just the, the huge reach that he has and just that style, just not wanting to, go, you know, go toe to toe, you know, he's, he's just going to hold you at bay and just pot shot you from outside. Um, if he has his way about it. And I think Kimball has a little trouble, you know, in this instance with a guy like Worrell. So I'm kind of leaning towards Worrell. And it's it really does suck. I'll say it right now because I, I love Kimball. He's a warrior. And I think, you know, sometimes the matchups work out work out well for you too, you know. and um, But unfortunately, in this one right here, it's just, you know, I, I struggle to, to see like a scenario where he kind of pulls this one out. Like it's a prime Worrell as, you know, as much of a beast as Worrell
2: was. I
0: agree. Uh, Dante, what are you thinking?
2: Uh, Steve's wrong. No, no, I'm just kidding. Um, 100% <laughs> agree with that, with that, <laughs> with that analysis. Yeah, um, Kimball, I mean, he threw with both hands. He was incredibly busy, uh, and awesome. Like, if, if, if I had to pick who I wanted to win just based on entertainment and style, 100% Kimball, I'm not saying he definitely could not win, but, you know, where else 6'6", 225, uh, just like Steve said, just sort of, uh, you know, a heavy fighter. Um, and, and I just, I think, you know, Kimball would, would throw a thousand punches, but I don't know how many would, would connect with a lot of, with a lot of power. And I think, uh, more or just, uh, wears him down and, and I could see it kind of being one of the kind of fights where he just, you know, hasn't bent over the bench, you know, and at, at, towards the end. And it's just like that. He's like, kind of like leaning on him and, maybe tags him late or something, but yeah,
0: I, I give this to Warrell. Yeah. I'm in the same boat with you. I mean, if it came down to who I want to win, oh, I want Kimball mm-hmm. 10 out of 10, right? Yeah. I mean, I love mm-hmm. Darren Kimball and he's one of my all time favorites and I was, I'm, yeah, I'm well, I'll just, yeah. Echoing what Steve said, I was never a big Warrell fan. I'll give him his due, of course. I mean, you know, tough dude and everything else, but I was never really a Warrell guy, but, uh, yeah, I think, like you said, just with, with just with his length, I think he just holds. I think Kimball spends half this fight just trying to get inside and trying to get mm-hmm. a hold of him, and it's just not going to work. Mm-hmm. And I think, and more just leaning back. And yeah, like if Worrell decided to engage with him, I think Kimball would have a chance, but I don't think he would. And, uh, yeah, but like you said, if it was, if it came down to like a fan thing, yeah, my voting, my heart was definitely with Kimball, but, uh, my head's telling me Worrell. else. So um yeah well the next one this is uh, yeah this is (laughs) this is interesting John Kordick versus Brad May um Dante I'll start with you what do you think well this is this is one of my
2: stupid logic uh answers and and it's just I'm saying Kordick here strictly because I Brad May was too good of a player like, I don't, I, I can't, I don't want him to go too much further on this list because I want it to be like a pure, uh, a pure enforcer slash, uh, goon type guy who comes out on top. Uh, I was never a Cordic fan at all and I loved Brad May. Um, but, uh, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm giving it to Cordic just because Brad May would probably win my, uh, Power forward. A, a power tournament. forward. I, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're you say. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, so that, yeah. But when, when you, when you have that tournament, then, uh, then Brad
0: May will go very, very deep. Um, your stupid logic is saying deep. go with the fighter is what you're saying. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. J- just for the sake of it. And again, much like the other matchup, I, I, I love Brad May. Um, so do I. He's one of the meanest fighters of all time. Like yeah. just. It was never done with him, and and uh, yeah, I, I just I, every time he stepped on the ice, you were like, okay. Um, and cordic I just he just had so much so much hype around him. He, he was great, but like I don't know, just he just just didn't do it for me for some reason. Just one of those
0: things. It's so funny that you mentioned that with Brad May. Um, uh, crit, I know Chris is listening. Old Napes, there, my boy. Uh, him and I were talking about Brad May. It wasn't that long ago, and he was. I think he was up all night with the kid or something, so he was playing a Brad May DVD or going down the YouTube rabbit hole of Brad May. And he was just saying, like, you forget, because you see so many fights and it all runs together, but when you go back and you kind of watch a guy, like a player DVD, so you sort of watch everything right in a row, Brad May was a mean motherfucker, man. And, like, mm-hmm. he, he would throw shit, like, guys on the ice. He didn't give a shit. Refs came in, he'd throw another one. Not not that I have a problem with that. I didn't care. I mean, a fight's a fight, you're trying to win. But he was a mean dude, man. And uh oh, yeah. And he could go. Steve, what do you got in this matchup?
1: This um this this could
0: be like one of the like more action
1: packed fights of uh the first round. I mean, you got yeah. a machine gun lefty and Rambo against uh Brad May, who was one of those guys that not an, an overly like big guy, but you know, Really threw it. He threw it pop, and he could you know switch hands seamlessly. You know, um, and meaner than a rattlesnake. You know, Kenny um, Baumgartner will tell you that.
3: Yeah, and I, and I tell <laughs> you, it's just,
1: um, he's, it, this is a really good matchup. The thing is, I mean, I love both guys. You know, it's not really like a like a fan thing. You know, but I just for some reason I see Corder. You know, with that machine gun left. You know, just steady pouring through and pulling this one out. You know, um, for some reason I'm almost getting this. Cortic versus George McPhee vibe in this fight. I don't know if it's fair to, to say that, but I'm kind of getting that little feel about this fight here with uh, Kordick and May that, you know, it's, you know, May's going to be down, like, you know, to chuck him, but Cordic's going to pull it out.
0: Yeah. I, yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, this fight would be awesome. Um, both guys in yep. their prime. Um, I mean, if somebody wanted to say, I think May would win, I, okay, I wouldn't argue with them. It's like, all right. No. I mean, I get it. Um, if I'm voting, I can't vote, but if I could vote um I'd probably take Kordic. um I, I mean such a cop out I don't know why I would take Kordic though um I think just I think probably just because of the left hand I think, and I think that would just just because it's left and it would, it'd be awkward um but yeah it'd be it' definitely be an interesting matchup um yeah. I mean, that's, that, that could really go either way. And that voting, the voting on that's going to be really interesting. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting, but, um, oh shit. Now I just minimized my screen. (laughs) Where are we? Here we are. Third fight. Uh, yeah, one, yeah, third fight. Um, (laughs) well, this is an interesting one too. Um, Marty McSorley versus John Scott. Uh, Steve, what's happening here? This is a I guess like a battle of the errors, I guess
1: in, yeah. a, in a way, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Scott's kind of like one of those like uh you know, post two thousand behemoths, you know, um and, and McSorley is sort of like the old eighties, nineties card, you know what I mean? Um you know, um it's, it it certainly does, you know, present some, some interesting um like stylistic issues, you know, like when Scott, you know, was doing his thing as and it still is like that, you know, a lot of these fighters like to opt for that sort of, you know, sort of stretch you out and then jersey jab you, you know, fall with a big right bomb, you know, and uh, McSorley was very much, you know, more of the two-handed style fighter, you know, he kind of needed to have both hands on you. Um Whereas, you know, Scott and fighters sort of like him would kind of hold you off with just the one hand. You know, and uh, McSorley's more like, I'm going to kind of square with you, you know, uh, have my both hands on you and sort of try to maybe pull you off balance, you know, uh, try to ragdoll you a little bit, and try to get the offense going. This is going to be a real tough fight, you know, and with Scott, Scott wasn't one of the big monsters, you know, of, of his, of even of his, his era. You know, I always used to kind of, even though he had, you know, world-class power, I thought, but I, I also thought that he was a little bit almost like too methodical. In a lot of in a lot of ways, kind of a slow starter, um, you know. Maybe he was just being economical with his punches. Um, McSorley is going to be one of these guys that's going to try and grind it out with Scott, you know, and make this sort of a marathon, you know. And if I'm taking a prime Scott and a prime McSorley, you know, a prime McSorley had one of those X, X factors going for him, and a lot of people didn't like it, but he liked to shed his jersey, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be something that's going to happen. I, you know, you we, you would have to think. A prime McSorley is going to shed his jersey against a monster like John Scott, and that could change, you know, the complexion of the flight. It could change how this flight goes down. Um, with that being said, and maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just, you know, I'm I'm leaning towards a guy I know a little bit more, but I, I like McSorley to pull a long one out here on points. Nothing spectacular, just a marathon with Scott maybe winded at the end, allowing McSorley a few shots that might give him the edge. Uh, but I'm leaning towards uh Marty on this one.
2: Dante. Uh, and perfectly explained. Um yeah, I feel like, you know, right off right off the hop, Scott's gonna land a couple big power bombs and uh McSorley's gonna go down on a knee, but he's not you know, he's never out of it. He's gonna pop up and then he's gonna stay in there and eventually it's gonna turn into a yard sale on ice with McSorley the way he is and Everything's going to be flying and he's going to be shaking off an elbow pad, but he's, he's going to keep coming, probably going to be bleeding. Uh, he's just going to keep on coming at, at Scott. And I feel like if eventually he's going to get just tired or frustrated or just like, you know what, there's there's no stopping him. And I, I feel like McSorley exactly wins on points Just he just keeps coming and coming and coming. And, and it looks like in the end, because you're cheering for, for McSorley with that kind of thing, you know, Six eight two seventy 270 John Scott against the 190. Um, you know, you're, you're just like cheering for McSorley in that kind of matchup. And I, and that's what I feel like happens too. He just, it, it gets into the deep water there. And that's where McSorley excels and he takes him.
0: Yeah. I think, yeah, exactly. And I think Marty will grind it out. He can, he can withstand mm-hmm. Scott's stuff. And I think, and I think what the, the difference that with Marty is, I think he is willing to, Go as long as it goes, as long as it takes, and he's a wh- and he's way meaner than John Scott is, mm-hmm. and and he will last this, and he will he'd be yelling at the linesman to stay out of it while Scott's yelling him <laughs> at him to get into this, and he's had enough. Scott would be gassed, and McSorley would still be. He'd be throwing shit like just that uh, overhand. He's still, you know, the elbow pads already slipped now over his hand, but he's still throwing <laughs> shots in there and the refs are good. <laughs> and he's still throwing shit at him. And Scott's just, you know, sucking wind. And I, I can just see that happening. And because I don't think yeah. Scott ever fought anybody like with McSorley's um, just his temperament. He was just, there's just no give up. And it was just like, we're going to fight right. until we can't do this anymore. And I and I think Scott like like Steve said I think it's an era thing and I think Scott comes from are you good bro okay good one and then they separate you know (laughs) yeah whereas McSorley's like fuck you motherfucker we're going until one of us is turning blue and the refs are they gotta carry us off and he'll go to that length I don't think Scott ever fought anybody like that and I'm not saying like Marty's gonna like dominate him with all these punches or anything because I don't think that would happen. But I think he would just drag and pull and yank and make it just... I think he would just make Scott really uncomfortable. Absolutely. And, mm-hmm. and, and he would just last a really long time. Longer than Scott's ever fight, fought it, any fight he's ever been in. And it's like, yeah, I think it would just be... Yeah, it'd be a hell of a battle, though. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it'd be interesting. One of those matchups, yeah, when I, when the computer spit it out, I was just giggling to myself. I'm like, holy shit. Again, that'll be yeah. interesting, that'll be interesting to see how those, how those, uh, cause that's a real, like you said, a real era matchup. So it'll be interesting to see how those, uh, how that voting goes in that one. But,
2: uh, yeah, I mean, slightly different style of fighter, but like, I guess like maybe like, um, the closest
0: comparable
2: for, for Scott might be like a Cam Jansen who just keeps coming and, and, and can go forever, you know, and, and even in that fight, like, Scott just pulls the jersey over his head just to like end it. You know what I mean? He's just kinda yeah. like, All right, you know, he doesn't even hit him. He just he, he you know, pulls the jersey over and the rest get in there and he's like, Okay, I'm done with this. You know, yeah. I, I feel like that's how it would kinda of go.
3: Yeah. But I
2: but I I, I just think McSorley the, the jersey's
0: gone, so it doesn't yeah. that doesn't work. Oh, he's got the little two little caps for shoulder pads and he's, yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. and he's just yelling at the lines of him to fuck off and yeah, and they're and they will and it's like, yeah, it'll be interesting. That'd be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, he
1: only shit his jersey, but somehow kept his helmet on. I never know how he did that. Like,
0: <laughs> yeah, well, he yeah, always had that, that little jelf on. I'm like, how he keep it on? Like, yeah, how like, big yeah. is that it's neck not, hole? Nothing else on, but that's true. Yeah, it, his helmet always did stay on. I mean, for all that helmet was worth. I mean, that's you know, I, I, I mean, yeah. that's what you may as well just have a fucking plastic pop bottle on your head for what a joke is going to protect. But yeah, but uh, why do I keep minimizing my screen? Um, oh yeah, there we go. We're we got a real professional outfit here. Yeah, I'll just X right out of that. Oh, come here. All right, next matchup is uh, Darren. Well, speaking of deep waters, uh, Darren Langdon mm-hmm. versus John Winsink. Um Steve, you're 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 a big Bruins guy. What, what do we got here? This is another era battle. It um, is, yeah, you know what.
1: Wentzick was one of those those guys like he's um, sort of like you know ca- caught up in a lot of the br- big bad Bruins folklore you know in, in Boston you know he's he's sort of the Boston strong boy and you know he had you know I, I got to give him give him credit you know for a, a short time you know right there in the you know the mid to late seventies uh, you know Wentzick was you know one of the you know tough guys in Boston with O'Reilly and Jonathan and. You know, um, you know, had the big hair pulling wing, it's battleship Kelly and, you know, big fight with Ben Wilson and, you know, everything like that. But, um, in this, this fight here, um, he's, he's running into a meat grinder in Darren Langdon. Um, not really sure if Wintank would have run into someone similar, um, you know, to Langdon during his time. Uh, Langdon was more of a, a more of a, like a technical, like, uh, like long distance fighter, almost like, Like, that's like his style. His style was sort of like to, like, wear yourself out and then just drag it on out, you know. A lot of those technical guys could kind of beat you in a lot of different ways, but Landon had a certain, like, style of his own. You know, he'd tie you up into knots and frustrate you, counter you um, with little pot shots, you know, and just keep tying you up, frustrating you, and then all of a sudden you're gassed, and he's he's beating you, you know, and uh I kind of see something similar like this. You can almost say Wensink's in a lot of ways like kind of tailor made for Langdon. Um, he's going to try and come at him with all gusto, right hands, you know, try to throw bombs, and not much is going to get through. Langdon's going to tie him up. He's going to counter him. He's going to make it a longer fight. And I would guess Wensink is going to get outpointed, outworked at the end, and the uh, line's are going, to come in, going to come in and end it. And is going to skate away with a win.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. There you go. Dante, what do you got?
2: uh yeah it's getting i mean i might as well hang up because it's pretty much the same answer every time um but yeah uh i mean darren langdon to me is the best technical fighter of all time um you know he he was the master of sort of that that seat belt jersey jab where he would you know a lot of guys do the jersey jab but he had a he had a little kind of like a different spin on it he'd actually He'd let, he'd let it go. Like he, he'd have, he'd have his left hand on your jersey and have you stretched out. And then he'd actually completely let go of the jersey and hit you with like, kind of like a six inch punch there, like real quick bang, you know, right in the mouth with that. And then he'd grab the jersey again and, and keep control. And it was like, it's a really cool little technique. You don't really see a lot of guys do. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't, I can't claim to know a lot about Lemsic. It's a little bit before my time as far as fandom. Um, you know, I watched as many videos as I could find, but, uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, he's going to come out and he's going to be savage, you know, and kind of head down wild swings and length, That's he's just going to walk right into Langdon, who's just, you know, going to grab, grab and keep him at bay with that and let him do his thing. Take a lot of punches. You never really see Langdon, you know, get beaten, you know, really bad. You You don't really see him beat on too many people either, but like, he doesn't really get Get beaten ever, and so um, yeah, I give this to Langdon. Uh, Langdon by decision.
0: Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. Like, I think I think he just frustrates Winsick. And uh, mm-hmm. my, Langdon always. Inter, uh, I was yeah. I've always like yeah. Langdon was an artist when it came to fighting yeah. in hockey, and it was just like like you said, both hands, undersized guy. I, what is he, like Six one, two hundred. 200, it's like, but it was interesting because he would he could, didn't matter who it was or how big they were, he seemed to just, like, he could control it, or at least control what mm-hmm. they were going to do to him. And it was like, um, yeah, like you said, he's not going to murder people or anything or just overwhelm them, but it's just like, I think he'd just frustrate you. Fighting Darren Langdon, I think, would be a very frustrating experience because it's like, you know, he's there, he's not big, he's not... Intimidating. He's not like he's gonna, but it's just, I think he'd, he'd have you so wrapped up that it was like, but meanwhile, he's, it would, it would seem like he's holding you, but he's still hitting you and, but with like yeah. annoying shit. And it's like, <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm trying to think who I had on the show that fought him. I can't remember who it was now. I want to say it was Mike McWilliam, but maybe not, but it was like, um, yeah, like he said, by the time it was done, you'd swear Langdon had three arms. Because he's like, I'm, I'm thinking I'm holding him, and I've got him by the crook of his arms, but somehow I keep getting hit in the mouth, and I don't know, how, I don't know what's happening here. Like, I think I have him, but I don't. And it's like, and he said it was just really frustrating. Um, yeah, it was like, he, yeah, who the hell was it? Now it's fucking me. He said it was like fighting Roberts He said it was the same thing fighting Sarahs Roberts It was like it was really frustrating. He said Robert's hit harder though, but it was just like. but tying him up and you think you had him but all of a sudden he's like he's like manipulating your jersey and shit and next thing you know yeah somebody I talked to they said like with Saris Roberge he he had to go to the locker room and get cut out of his jersey like he was just that tied into it he said it was just ridiculous and he's like I don't know how he did it you know because it's not like I'm standing there letting him but I don't know but he goes there's just some guys that they're just artists man and it's like And Langdon was one of those guys. And I could just see him doing it to and Because he'd be like, like you said, he's that wild, trying to go, you know, pull the hair and swing and let's go. And I think he would just get tied up. And it just would not go his way. But, yeah, that'd be an interesting matchup. But, um... All right, well, the next one. Uh, These are two big dudes colliding right here. Two big horses. Chris Simon and the late, great Todd Ewan. Um... Dante, I'll start with you on this one. Simon and Ewan. Yeah, uh, well, you're not kidding. Two big guys, right? Simon, 6'4",
2: 235. Ewan, 6'3", 230. I mean, they're, you know, two two giant, giant fighters here. Um, but they had, you know, they do have some some head-to-head action. And, you know, uh, Simon, when he's with Washington versus Ewan, when he's with, um, you know, the, the Ducks, and Simon just takes them apart. So um, you know, I, I think Ewan was a hell of a fighter, and 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 one of those like just really really entertaining fighters. You, you know, he he always gave it every time. But uh, yeah, Simon just had Simon had that like oh my god! Like when he when he came out on the ice, and you just saw that long hair, and just you know just just going to throw those lefts from hell and just, my God. So, yeah, no. I give this one to Simon. He, he, he destroyed him in that one fight, and I think he would he would probably do that pretty regularly.
0: Steve, what do you figure?
1: Uh, you know what? Pretty much the same thing. I mean, I saw the simon Ewan matchup, and the first thing I thought of was that, that fight. I, I want to say from when um, Simon first went over to Washington. Um, mm-hmm. he, he was, you know, in Quebec, Colorado. He was like a phenom on the rise, but he wound up having some, you know, a couple, you know, rough years, you know, fight-wise um, in Washington. But against Ewan, he didn't have, uh, you know, a real difficult time. He kind of just battered them and ragged all them, and you know that was the end. But I just keep thinking of that one fight when I when I think of this matchup. So a lot of times, if there's compelling video evidence, I guess you know it's you're almost kind of like inclined to go with that. So. And I in Simon, I mean, and not even saying that Simon in his prime against Ewan in his prime, I'm still going with Simon. But I just I keep seeing that that, that clip of their actual fight going through my mind, and you know, um, I'm, so I'm taking Simon in a clear victory.
0: Yeah, like a yeah, like I would say a, a prime, healthy, long haired Undertaker looking Simon. <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a pissy mood, throwing left hands, it's like, yeah, that's a mm-hmm. bad night. That's a bad night for most people. I don't care who it is. And, uh, yeah, it's a shame with Simon with the shoulder injuries, and that really kind of halted his career kind of as a fighter um, or a dominant fighter, and, uh, yeah, which is too bad because it would have been interesting to see a few more years of the Colorado version of Simon, that Quebec into Colorado version of Simon, that would have been interesting to see him go longer like that, um, but uh, yeah, I, I and I like Todd. I like both these guys and Todd Ewan. Yeah, a big tough dude. I mean, you know, made it. You know, made his. Well, he always says he made his career one punch and in Probert in the, when he was the rookie of St. Louis. And uh, yeah, Ewan was a you know again another guy that had a lot of injuries though, a lot of hand shit yeah. and unfortunately, but uh, entertaining when he just and you know had a long career and. Um, but, yeah, I don't see him standing up very well, like, to a to a primed-up, long-haired Simon. Nah, it's going to be a, it'll be short, I think. I think Simon would take this one pretty quick. But, um, <laughs> this next one, I mean, you talk about all-out war. Bob yeah, Nystrom right. versus Shane Sherla. This, another one, when this came out, I was like, wow. All right. Yeah. Uh, Steve, what are you thinking?
1: Uh, well, we got a, an era battle but you know, you know, perfect styles, you know, um, you know, when you, when you look at how these guys, you know, would throw down in their respective era, you know, Churl was like, you know, like a machine gun, toe to toe guy, you know, and Nystrom was, you know, very similar, all out, you know, chin right, right there, you know, willing to take your best shot. So this is going to be, this is another one of those great action packed bouts that we're going to see in the first round. Um, I, I love this battle, you know, it's it's funny when you try to do these, like, era battles, but, you know, there's, not a, there's no common, like, opponents. You know, it's really hard to to do anything. You basically just try to wing it, you know, on, on what you know from the footage. And I just think that, you know, I see a couple of really good exchanges, toe-to-toe style exchanges, you know, rapid-fire machine gun from these two guys. This fight starts off as a war. Churla tries to readjust, but Nystrom just keeps on coming. That's one of the traits I loved about Nystrom. Um, You know, Thor was relentless in a fight. He would not stop. You know, that was one of the things I liked about him. He even stopped, you know, throwing headbutts. He couldn't get loose enough. He was just one of those guys. And I see this kind of, this fight developing that way. Uh, You know, it's going to be some good toe-to-toe exchanges, but Nystrom pulling this
2: out, just relentless, all out, finishing strong.
0: Yeah, Dante?
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, again great analysis. Uh I mean, this is this is like these two guys this would be like fighting themselves, right? They're 6'1, 200 even both guys. Um and to me if this went if they had 10 fights it'd be 5 to 5. That's how I that's how I think it is. They they both are just absolute savage fighters, just throwing both hands just non-stop. They're going to the a bunch um, You know, and then whoever's whoever's standing at the end is it, going to be the winner, and it's going to it's very very even. Um, I went with that. This is my this is my uh, this is my Joe Lozito gift. I went nice him on this just for Joe's sake, but uh yeah, it's a it's a it's a pickem for me.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those fights where I think these guys are more interested in just like punching, like they're not. Mm-hmm. You know, you know what I mean. Like some guys are like, okay, I'm throwing a few. I'm going to tie them up and. You know, I'm gonna get the air quote win. I don't think that really went through the head of like Shane, Shurla and Nyström. I think theirs is more just like I'm gonna do some damage to you, and I'm just gonna yeah. punch. I see your face, and I'm gonna punch it as fast as I can. And you know, if you want to hit me a bunch of times, that's fine too. And then that's good. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, I think it would just go back and forth. It would just be like you know, like the rock, yeah, yeah, the proverbial rock and sock and robots. And mm-hmm. I mean, and again, I I mean, I agree with the just. Yeah, Nystrom would just, yeah, again, not quit and was not above fighting dirty. And Although Shane Churla wasn't above fighting dirty either. So, I mean, like I said, it's one of those things. It's like an error matchup. So, I mean, either or. I mean, I'd probably say Nystrom, you know. But if somebody wanted to say Churla, all right, you know, whatever. I think at the end, actually, I always say with with hockey fights, and this would probably be the perfect example of it, I don't think either guy is really going to dominate another guy. In either guy, I think it'll just be they just blast each other a bunch of times, and then yeah. whatever. And I think, and so I guess at that point you can't give it. We can't vote draw, so it's like, all right, yeah. well, we got to pick a guy. So I mean, yeah. I think either way, I think the fans will be the winners in this one. That's all I got to say. But uh, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Whoever doesn't step on a
2: stick or like catch a rut, that that's going to be who wins the fight.
0: <laughs> yeah, pretty much exactly. Yeah. Um, well, the next one, uh, it's interesting because we had talked about this before we got going as an example of just pick it how we pick things, but or how some people pick things is uh, of course Rob Ray and Lyndon Byers, which did happen, and uh, but it was sort of at different times in their careers, and uh, and it was like a perfect example of like I kind of. I ignored that and just kinda of went with their primes, both guys in their primes. Um Steve, I'll start with you. Rob Ray and Lyndon Byers.
1: Yeah, this is um you know, as a Bruins fan, you know, I when Ray first came up with, with the Sabres, I almost didn't get like a vibe that he was like like a serious like enforcer. I mean I know I hope I'm not like like being disrespectful. I just
3: I agree with me, you. He was almost yeah.
1: like a he was almost like a like a shit starter, like you know what I mean, like yeah, you know, just a like pest. a little, you know, yeah. You sent them out there, and he would just try to, you know, crank things up and you know throw the big hits and you know maybe start a big fight with Matt Tullion or something like that. You know what I mean? But I always say I guess, he was but, he was Barnaby know.
0: before Barnaby. That's what I thought. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. That, that and when he first came up, I remember, you know, like I thought more highly of guys like Gordon when they they rolled for Buffalo or or McGuire. You know, Rob Racing more like a, a super pest. You know. But in those, in those first few years and, you know, again, not to be disrespectful, but he had his, you know, he took his lumps and uh, there is, of course he fought Byers and Byers was, you know, his, his, you know, sort of prime rumbling, you know, Boston Bruins enforcer, you know what I mean? And that was sort of a, you know, a good time for, you know, Bruins tough guys at that time with with that whole Miller Byers scene, you know, and seeing, you know, Buyers landing those nice uppercuts and that little upper, you know, over under thing, you know, and everything on 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 a clearly overmatched Ray, you know, you don't realize that just a few years down the road, Ray's Ray's a killer, you know. He he becomes a different fighter. He has more confidence. You know, he's he's thrown with you know with ferocity, and he becomes like a different guy. I'm not saying that Ray is like a title threat. You know, he wasn't going to be you know knocking on on. You know the heavyweight, you know, crown. You know, he wasn't going after anything like that. But you know, it's, it, he had, you know, improved, you know, by leaps and bounds over that that version of Ray that fought, Lyndon Byers. That you know, we're all a familiar with. You know, so I think a prime version, you know, of, of Ray really gives Lyndon Byers a lot of problems. And um I think you know, just with with the combination of Ray's power, chin, his willingness to take one to give one, you know, I, I kind of like Ray. Ray in a prime versus
2: prime matchup here against my, my homeboy lb Dante yeah Lyndon Byers is one of those guys that um as a fight fan you just you just like him you know uh for me he's kind of like the opposite of a Cordic where like I just for no reason at all didn't like Cordic and for no reason at all did like Lyndon Byers I, I even like his name but um <laughs> like <laughs> yeah but no I think um you know what, I mean, Rob Ray finished with what, uh, nearly 300 NHL fighting majors. So he definitely came a long way from their, from their original matchup. And, uh and so, yeah, I think, you know, if you're, if you're looking at primes, I, I'm going to go Rob Ray. I like, like Steve said, you know, he was probably never, you know, in the conversation for heavyweight champ, but like, you never count, he was, he could never be counted out at the start of any fight with anyone. You know, there was like, he, he had a, a puncher's chance in every single fight and, you know, jersey on, jersey off argument, whatever. Like he was, he was coming, he was coming straight at you and he was going to try to take your head off. And, uh, yeah, so I think, I think if they met again, that's what happens.
0: So I go Rob Ray. Yeah, look at it. We're not. We're not really. Uh, we're not giving the the fans a lot of fucking listeners here. A lot of back and forth and argument. Um, I'm, I'm with you guys. Actually, I mean, it's the same. I, I have the exact same thing. I feel the same way. Yeah, the
2: fans completely disagree with everything we've said so far. Well, so they're,
0: they're <laughs> Maybe. I mean, there might be a few people yelling at their dashboards, but I mean, um, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I just I can't see. I mean, you know, somebody, I know
1: Pimple's pissed off
0: right now. Oh, he's never coming on my show. I can tell you <laughs> that. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, he yeah with Ray man, yeah jersey on, like you said, jersey on, jersey off didn't matter. Actually, I think better with the jersey on actually. But um, yeah, he would just come right at you, and I think he, I think he, yeah, he would overwhelm Byers. I don't think he would drop. Mm-hmm. Him. I don't think he would drop him or anything like that. But it's just, it was, um, yeah. And Byers, there's another guy. It was always a shame that you know, a lot of injuries. I don't think we ever saw the best. Lyndon Byers, um, was a way better player than I think people realize. Um, he was awesome in junior with the Regina Pats. I think a lot of people don't realize he was on the, he was on team Canada in the world juniors. Lyndon Byers was a really good player. And, uh, we never saw that in the NHL. Cause I think it was a, a lot. There was some off ice partying issues and some injury issues. And I don't think we ever saw the best of Byers, but, um, Regardless of that, I I do think yeah Ray turned himself into a real solid heavyweight fighter from where he started, and uh, yeah I got Ray winning this one too. But uh,
2: this yeah, yeah, if you're definitely saying who 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 do you want to hang with at the bar, I'm going Lyndon Byers. Right, uh, he definitely seems oh. like <laughs> yeah. Oh, with Rob Ray You're like shit We're definitely fighting Someone tonight But like with Lyndon Byers You know you're just laughing They'll Yeah like, I think oh. it'd be A mellow
0: night with Byers But yeah Ray You're getting into one In the parking lot later Yeah <laughs> Yeah
2: <laughs> Yeah he's definitely He's coming in He's already got two black eyes You're just like Oh great Don't yeah. look at him we'll get,
0: we'll get Chris Y2J on there He's probably got a Ray story or two But so, um, For sure Um. Well this next This is another one Battle of some Couple 6-5 dudes um, Big earn. Brian McGratton versus the Grim Reaper, Stu Grimson. Uh, Steve, what say you? Um, I guess not quite a, maybe not quite an
1: era matchup, you know, although they didn't really intersect at all. But, um, you know, I mean, this is a great, like, heavyweight matchup. Um, you know, you two great enforcers. I mean, McGratton, an elite enforcer during his time. Stu Grimson at one point, you know, was kind of like, you know, uh, one of the best fighters in, in the game. I used to like look at Stu as kind of like a, almost like a gatekeeper style, you know, enforcer, you know, for those, uh, you know, those mid-late 90s, you know, into the very, very early 2000s before he, he wound up going out. You know, I always looked at him as being kind of like one of those guys you needed to prove yourself against. You know, um, he, he had been through all the wars, Brown, Probert, you know, you name him, you know what I mean? He took them all on. And um this is a guy that in his prime was a, um, you know, a top, top five heavyweight, you know, and, um you know, when he was with uh, Hartford, 96, 97, you know, probably the number one fight, you know, heavyweight in the game, um, you know, and he's going up against a guy like McGratton, who at one point, they was the champ, you know, so this is, this is a great, you know, throwdown here between these two guys, you know, interesting styles here McGratton with that, you know, the sort of string him out jersey jab but he was a very open style fighter so this is going to be a great fight um you know I like Grimson I love McGratton so it's really tough to like either even, even choose but when you throw these guys together and, and throw them down in their primes I really like McGratton in this one he's just not going to stop against Grimson um Grimson will bring it he'll be game he'll you know, he'll make a war of it, but I really like McGrattan to pull this one out. Uh this is a, an exciting, like, you know, all out, you know, bombs away style heavyweight matchup. I really like this one. But McGratton's my guy.
0: There we go. Dante. I I, th- I thought for
2: sure he was gonna go Grimson and we would have our first um our first variant here, but no. Um yeah. I mean, arguably at at different times the heavyweight champs. For both of these guys this is one a matchup that I highlighted uh as one as a dream fight like I would love to see this fight go down um I just think McGrotton is just a little bit meaner I know Grimson could go off um and and definitely had a seriously serious mean streak but I just feel like McGrotton is just kind of like the meaner of the two uh, even in that like famous Shane Sherla thing where he's got the broken orbital bone and he just keeps coming at Grimson like you could see he's just kind of like now nah, man. you know and eventually he just has no choice. but like I, I, I don't think you'd get that from McGratton. I think he would have clocked him right away. So um, yeah, I, I go I go McGratton too. And I would love it. I would love this fight. I, I wish this happened.
0: Oh, this fight would be tremendous. and here we go. I am actually going to differ with you. I'm going to argue with you guys. Yay! Okay, uh, I'm glad. I'm actually taking Grimson in this one. Um, just do. The only reason I'm saying this is just, I I, I just think Grimson's, I think he just, I think, I get, yeah, it's, it's kind of an era thing. I think Grimson just had, just fought tougher guys. And I think he just came through some more wars than McGratton did. Yeah, maybe he didn't, now that I'm saying it. Yeah, but I, I think he did. I think just with all the battles with Probert and Brown and all these guys, I don't think McGratton kind of ever kind of faced that kind of thing, um, on a continual basis. I mean, McGratton fought the toughest guys of his era and his fight card was really good. I think it's just Grimson just did it over and over again, um, and was probably arguably the champ a few years. And I mean, I can't say they each have, le- they don't have length on each other. So I mean, it's, pretty much an even matchup size-wise and reach and everything. Um, I don't know. I, ju- I just think Grimson's just got just got the hammer coming a little bit. And uh, I think when McGratton's kind of jersey-jabbing a little bit, I think Grimson's kind of dropping some bombs on him. And um, it, Again, either way, I mean, was, like I said, you guys went with McGratton. It wasn't like, oh, you guys are crazy. Like, no. I mean, I could I could see that too. I love both these guys. And McGratton's yeah. actually one of the – I always say one of the few guys – kind of from, like, whatever you want to call it, the new era, or kind of the last era, I don't know. Steve, I know you're, you know, with all your writings and stuff and everything else, and I think you and I have had this discussion. Would you say Ryan McGrath was sort of like the last air quote champ?
1: I guess the last battle-tested champ. Like, yeah. you know, where he, when he was fighting, there was, like, really, like, legitimate competition still still around, you know. Yes. Um, and I really hate to say it, I know I mean to belittle anybody, but, like, a lot of people say, like, Ryan Reeves is the champ, but there's really not not a lot out there, you know, like, you know, especially with the way the game is now. there's The the day of the specialist enforcer seems to be behind us. You know, there's those purebred fighters just aren't around anymore, and so it kind of, you know, kind of knocks Reeves down a peg, you know what I mean? So I, I always kind of view, I, I jokingly, I guess, maybe, or maybe nostalgically refer to McGrathen as the last champ.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, so do I, and it, and it's kind of, uh, yeah, And it's the same with Reeves, not to downgrade Reeves, it's just a different time, there's a different mindset around the game and whatever. I always say, I've said it on this show a bunch of times, I'm like, the toughest guy in 2022 hockey is playing in the American League. I think Brett Gallant's the toughest guy in hockey, and he's not even in the That's NHL. A tough dude right there. Yeah. That's
1: a tough dude right there.
0: Yeah, and I think he can take a round out of Reeves, you know, so it's like, but whatever, he you know,
1: brings it, too. See, that's another thing, too. He, he ain't calculating. He ain't being the thought. He's going to bring it. That's what I like about him. Especially if that fight went down. I'd love to see
3: that.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. glance a mean prick, too. Like, I mean, he'll open up on you <laughs> and, like, go. It's not, yeah. He wants to fight. Like, it's not, good luck, bro. Like, no. <laughs> it's like, yeah. we're, we're fighting, you know. So, um but, yeah, to go back to, like I said, if somebody wants to take, well, you guys did take McGrattan. Okay, I mean, I agree. You know, it could go either way. I just think, I just think Grimson's got more power than McGratton does, um, and I, I don't know. I just think it would, it'd be good. But for the sake of difference, I will take Stu. But uh, there we go. I think that was the. Uh, well, there you we go. That's actually the first bracket. Um, just all right. Well, that's the uh, the fir- the first uh, bracket a section of the bracket, so to speak. Um, moving into the next one here. Uh this is a good that's a good one too. Uh Colt Nor, That's Colt Nor, folks, not Bobby Or for the one guy out there. I'm not putting Bobby Orr in this. Um Colt Nor versus Jim McKenzie. Um Dante, what do you got? Well again, another
2: another one I'd I'd love. Um very, very evenly matched guys, you know, both, you know, six three, six four, two twenty somethings. Um Both guys can switch hands, uh, easily. Um, you know, and I think, uh, I think Mackenzie said like he, you know, he's, he's, he's primarily righty, but then, you know, he got used to like in junior, he would, he would hit guys so many times with his right that it just got sore. So he started just switching up to his left so he could just land more shots. And and that's how he kind of became like, sort of like a, a two handed fighter there. Um, this is just a this is just a fanboy thing, you know. I'm a Rangers fan, so uh, I go Colton work for no reason, just just because he's a Ranger fan.
0: Well, there you go. Hey, that's good enough reason as any. Uh, Steve, yeah. Steve, what do you got?
1: Uh, this is an, another great, great yeah. matchup. Um, another one, another one of the best ones you're going to see, especially when you're dealing like strictly straight up heavyweights. Um, Or was one of those guys, uh, you know, a guy that was always, you know, kind of almost in the hunt, you know, for the title for a few years there. And a guy like Jim McKenzie, who's gotten a lot of, like, all-time, like, you know, cred, you know, over the last, like, decade or so, you know. Um, One of those guys that maybe during his own, you know, during his career, he wasn't, you know, like a champ type of guy, but he had a style that was a matchup nightmare for a lot of different fighters, you know. Uh, Big guy who threw... You know, you know, very fast from both sides. He could switch seamlessly, um, you know, where Orr is a big, you know, like a power guy with a little bit more wind-up, but he could switch as well, and he loved to go to war. So this is just a great matchup. Um, you know, and when I think of these big punchers, you know, and, and, and these hypotheticals against Jim McKenzie, I always think of that big fight with Twist, you know, where he um, got Twist's jersey over his head and he dropped him with a left hand, you know? I always mm-hmm. think about that, um, you know, because I saw... It, it, mckenzie ate a couple straight up bombs like flush from twist you know and just kept coming you know what i mean and little things like that when you see you know footage of that it impresses you, and, you know, and then you when you work on these hypotheticals you you kind of look at how that might play out and i really like mckenzie's sort of um you know all out you know speed attack switching hands you know kind of bringing it to or a little bit you you know, or weathering a storm, not getting you know, you know, too hurt or anything like that, but getting kind of worked a little bit, you know, by Mackenzie's fast hands. And I kind of, and then I, I, I see Mackenzie. McKenzie was like one of the first ones to kind of like, you know, like stop a fight before it was really over, you know. And he would just sort of hold on, you know, and almost give you a little time to kind of get get a little bit more mad and get back into the fight. He was like one of the first kind of like, hey bro, you know, good fight bro kind of guys. Yep. You know, um, he, I always, that was the one thing I didn't like about it, you know, about him as a, you know, a fighter. He was almost like too nice a guy, you know, for that era. Although he would probably fit perfect in Orr's era, you know, as far as temperament. Um, but I do like uh, McKenzie in this one. This is a great matchup.
0: Yeah, I, yeah, I agree with you. Um, it would, yeah, definitely a great matchup. I got McKenzie as well. And I kind of, I, I, I likened it to the twist McKenzie fight because I think Orr. Although Orr didn't throw quite the big looping punches like Twist did, he did throw kind of those like the big haymaker kind of punches and I think McKenzie yeah. would just get inside on that and like land three to every Orr's one, despite Or maybe landing some really good ones. Uh, I think McKenzie would just sort of soldier through it and um, yeah, I think I don't think either guy's going down, but I can just see McKenzie just kind of, you know, rapid firing to get the win, but, uh, yeah, this would be a hell of a matchup, man, but,
2: um, yeah, so that fight that you're referencing, I, I mean, I could be crazy here, but, like, um, I had, I had, you know, back in the day, one of those VHS, and I don't know if it was, like, the year, or if it was a twist VHS, or what it was from, like, the, uh, Tough Guys fight tapes, and I remember, twist, at the time of this fight, Darren and I always talk about, like, different, like, uh, fighter tricks and things, and Twist at this time was, was taping his, uh, his jersey from his wrist to his elbow. Like it's just tight, tight white, uh, tape all the way from, from wrist to elbow. So, you know, a lot of guys like to get their thumb inside the sleeve and sort of control the, you know, whatever the power arm is with that. Um, you couldn't do that because he had these, you know, it, it was just these pipes just coming right down the pike there. Um, and in that fight, you know, McKenzie gets that jersey over and there's, when you have your jersey taped down like that, there's no way to pull out of it. There's nothing you can do. And he smokes them with that shot. And so I, and then I remember like, after that, not seeing Twist do that anymore. So do, do you guys remember this or, or is this just something I kind of fabricated in my head? <laughs>
3: well, no, I mean, no, no. I've,
1: I've actually never heard of this particular angle. You know, I, like I've never like this fight has just been just sort of like a standalone great fight, you know, like Mm -hmm. one of those, like almost like highlight reel style fights. If you bought a greatest, you know, hockey fights tape from that era, you know, you'd probably see this fight on it, you know, Mm -hmm. but I've never really, I really never like looked too, you know, much deeper than that. You know, I just sort of, you know, I've never really heard a reference to that, but although it's not unusual for that time, I mean, there's a lot of guys that were, doctoring jerseys putting velcro on you know um, i mean geez dave brown might be one of the the worst you know offenders um you sewn his uh, left arm sleeve extra tight and put like lubricant on it like you know what i mean so there was a lot of tricks people were doing and so it certainly doesn't surprise me
0: yeah like i I've, I've just never noticed so i'm not saying it didn't happen i mean i just never bothered to to notice but yeah it wouldn't surprise me like yeah, like Steve said, right, there was always, back then, there was always guys doing shit with their jerseys. So, yeah, I could see it. And, yeah, and if he was doing that and that was the result of it, I could see him not doing it anymore or going back yeah, to the drawing learning board. Learning
1: experience right there. Yeah, yeah, ex- yeah,
0: ex- <laughs> yeah. Yep, so he learned a valuable lesson that day. So, yeah. But uh, that was, it was funny for all the, like, I think they fought, I, they had to have fought three or four times, and it was just like, or five or six times maybe, and I know it was just early on, like, Twist could not figure out the McKenzie problem. And then I know at the end he did, he kind of got him a little bit. I think when McKenzie was in Phoenix, I think. And it wasn't ever really a big whooping or anything, but it was just like Twist maybe finally got a little measure of revenge. But, yeah, early on when it was those Hartford-Quebec matchups and stuff, yeah, Twist could not figure it out with McKenzie. Yeah, it's just, uh they might not even have fought in junior too because they're kind of around that same time period, so... Yeah, it was. Mackenzie uh... was a great. I mean, he's a great fighter, but I always he's a great young fighter. You know, when he first came up, I
1: I said this guy's got all the tools. Holy yep. shit, watch out for him, Kobe. You know, yeah. that's the first thing I thought about. He didn't really seem to maybe take those leaps and bounds, but you saw you know little glimpses of it in some of his fights. You know, I remember him tuning in to and I I remember I liked Fakoda. I was like, wow, he kind of served him up real quick. I'm like, this is a tough dude. This guy, you know, if, you know this guy, McKenzie's no joke. Then you see him in the fights with Kordik, you know, and then you're like, wow, you know, uh, this guy, this guy's is going to be something else, you know, but he, I don't know if he just didn't get the, the playing time or the, the consistency or, you know, but he never really seemed to creep into that, like champ conversation, you know, very much, but he certainly had all the tools.
0: Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. For sure. Um, well... The next one, definitely an era matchup. This would be interesting. Mm-hmm. Dave, the Hammer Schultz versus Eric Bolton. Uh Dante, what are you looking at? What are we looking at here? Oh I know. This is
2: gonna be an unpopular one, I think. Um you got Schultz at 6'1", 185. Bolton at six foot two twenty seven, just a thick dude. Um I, I I'm just I might be crazy, but I am not a Dave the Hammer Schultz fan at all. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't like the way he fights. He was you know, I'm okay with some dirty fighting once in a while, but I feel like that's like it was. You fought him, you fought the whole Flyer team, and you were gonna just get headbutted and your hair pulled and elbowed, and like it just, I just didn't really. I, I don't, I don't like appreciate him as a fighter. I, I appreciate what he did um, for the fight you know, position, but like, I just don't, I don't like them, and I, I think, uh, I give this win to Bolton just because of size and because I don't like Dave Schultz.
0: Fuck, look at that. Damn it. <laughs> With some authority. Fuck Schultz. Steve, what do you, <laughs> yeah, Steve, John. what do you got? We're good. I'm asking a Bruins guy what he's got about Schultz. We'll see here. Yeah.
1: Well, um, well, you know, Schultz, Schultz I know, like, it's funny because, you know, like you said, he, you know, did a lot of dirty stuff and fights and head butted and pulled hair and, you know, all that stuff. And, you know, he's was kind of like a showman too, you know, but you know, I always, whenever I just see the name, I just think of he's probably the greatest villain yeah. of all time. Like, you know, mm-hmm. and he, him, him, and the, I don't I don't want to just say himself because he had a whole pack behind him, but he and the broad street bullies, you know, together, they really changed the face of fighting. um And to me, there's sort of like an impact there that almost transcends just, you know, like his own era itself. You know, we, whenever we t- talk about the '70s, the first guy you think about is, is is Schultz. You know, so he has that kind of impact. And his fighting style, it, it was it, in a straight up fight, in my opinion, was was pretty basic. You know, put his left hand on your control your arm or, or or your you know your that part of your shoulder and just try to work the right hand. that was more or less you know Schultz's you know thing. But, you know, I remember him, you know, battling a young Ben Wilson to a draw. You know what I mean? Like, you know, so it's it's not like this guy, you know, he was just sort of like a myth, you know, or pumped up. He had definite skill. You know, he does have some victories under his belt, you know. So, you know, but in this matchup against Bolton, I love Bolton. During his era, Bolton was like a, you know, a great light heavyweight, you know, like a an enforcer, but not like your main guy, you know, kind of a guy that you could Bring in is kind of like being a sidekick to a, a real monster, you know what I mean? Uh, yep. But mm-hmm. boy, Bolton through with evil intentions when he punched. Yeah. Him. And now uh, for a guy like and he was, he was kind of squat. You know, you kind of had to be in that area. You couldn't be some skinny guy like at his size. Yeah. Then you weren't taking on the guys he was fighting. You know what I mean? But uh, Bolton, he could bring it. And again, maybe this is just the era matchup. You know, none of that dirty shit. You know, Schultz is going to pull is going to really save him from Bolton. You know, so I I kind of like Bolton in this one. It may be surprising, but I kind of like Bolton to win clearly in this
0: one. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. Um, the thing with show I always say with Scholl, I get like I get what Dante say. I get why people don't like him. I do. I get it. Yeah. Um, yeah. at the same time, well, he did
1: his job then. That was what is what he meant to, was meant it, to be. You know?
0: What yeah, I mean? so he, so yeah. it definitely it definitely worked. Yeah, he's a prick. Yeah, and yeah, and, I mean, everyone <laughs> hated him, And and that was the whole thing and I mean, he had teams so wound up thinking about him. That's why the Flyers won. And I mean, and they were successful with their gang fighting and how they did it and the intimidation and yeah, I mean, it, obviously it was a completely different mindset than the 80s, 90s and all that. I mean, it it brought it ushered in basically the enforcer era. I mean, or or it forced teams to. I mean, there was the tough teams before and everything else, but I think it really altered the way hockey viewed fighting and how you how you uh, built a roster. I think the Flyers, Broad Street Bullies had a lot to do with the alteration in that. So mm-hmm. um, in terms of a fight fan, um, an enforcer fan and everything else, I think Schultz is one of... Uh, I can see how people would always say, you know, what's the... Uh, ah, what's the, the Mount Rushmore. People like to do the Mount Rushmore thing. I think Schultz mm-hmm. could definitely be on that. Um, not for the fact that he was some great fighter, but I think for what he caused. <laughs> I think maybe or, his, yeah. or yeah. his the impact, the impact, yeah, yeah that he had. Yeah. And uh, but at the same, and saying that again, not that I'm going to sit here and tell all the listeners that I am a '70s Flyers Dave Schultz expert because I'm not. But I mean, I've seen a bunch of the fights or the that or what is available and. Um, Again, I think he's, I think he's a better fighter than people give him credit for. I think a lot of people just want to shit on him and say he wasn't tough and they never, he, they, everybody would jump in before he lost. Well, yeah, sometimes, but I think he was in some real battles too and legit battles and won. And, um, which I don't think he's often given credit for. So, um, I definitely see both sides of the coin with Schultz. I get it. Um, But at the same time, Eric Bolton, to me, is sort of an unheralded, underrated guy. And uh, if you go back and watch Eric Bolton, I I don't think you will be disappointed. And, uh, yeah, I would think straight up one-on-one. Seleski and the boys ain't coming. We're going to (laughs) go one-on-one. I think I'd probably, as Schultz would, you know, he's kind of the... Grab the sleeve, throw the right. I think Bolton would overwhelm him, and uh, yeah, I think I'd go with Bolton too. But the Hammer, the Hammer should definitely be in terms of a fight fan. He was definitely a pioneer for sure, and, and created and had a lasting no impact doubt. for sure. So, uh, well, another guy that had a lasting impact and, and was a very great and a far. And I think another guy that's probably a lot better player than I think some people give him credit for. Um, but well, we have Terry O'Reilly versus Troy Crowder. And Steve and I, over the over these years, have had a Troy Crowder debate numerous times online. And I think we did it on, on the air, too. But uh, I'm going to be completely honest. I am not a Crowder guy. I don't see the appeal of Troy Crowder. But um, I always say Troy Crowder was great for four fights. But I've had people yell at me for saying that, Steve being one of them. So, I'm going to start, Steve. What are you thinking? Terry O'Reilly, Troy Crowder, what's up?
1: Well, um, you know, again, you know, we take these guys, like, you know, you try to take them at their prime, you know, and you you when you think of Troy Crowder, you're literally just thinking of, you know, kind of like that 90-91 campaign. Yep. Um, That's, you know, the year that he, you know, he bloodied Broberg, you know, he had a couple of nice TKOs, you know, and, um, you know, he's yeah you know, a couple you know some explosive style fights you know um and um you know, of course, you know bloody and Probert you know they'll certainly get people talking about yeah, especially so early in the season um you know and so you know and then apparently Crowder was one of those guys that was was talking about this, you know, apparently you know he wanted he wanted a guy he wanted to take on a guy like probert, you know um but in 1991, you know i I thought it was a great year you know overall maybe um you know yeah was. i think you're right you you can maybe condense his greatness into maybe like you said like maybe four fights you know like oh wow you know but um i i kind of he was to me he was akin to a right-handed dave brown um just straight ahead right hands there was really no change in the way he did anything he wasn't coming like you know he wasn't like throwing uppercuts you know he wasn't you know, just switching up styles. he just seemed to just straight ahead right hands. He's gonna he's gonna try and just blow right through you. Um, you know, had had some big you know, big wins. You know, I thought he set, you know, the, the league kind of on fire there for a while and um and even, you know, what was furthermore, you had a, you know, that great trilogy of fights with Probert, you know, and of course and again, you know, we had Darren Kimball who was able to finally get the Crowder, you know, before Probert got him back, you know, and it so he had just made for a you know a special year for fighting. Now, Crowder, all time, you know, he had injury problems, you know, he wasn't the same fighter, so you're kind of only looking at that one year, you know, to see him at his very, very best, you know. But, I mean, and as much as I love O'Reilly, you know, O'Reilly had a lot of flaws, and it, to me, you know, a guy like Crowder is just going to really open up on him. He's just going to come straight ahead right-hands. And O'Reilly's going to try and, you know, hang tough. He's probably going to want to put the head down and a wing in those left hands, but he's going to want to, you know, struggling, unraveling, losing balance, and Grotter's going to win this one. Um, I love O'Reilly, you know. He's got such a warrior spirit. I, you know, and it's obviously, you know, with some of the guys O'Reilly's beaten, I mean, he can claim victories over Clark dillies. you know. And, you know, so I can see, you know, a situation like that happening, but on a one-off fight you know, between these two guys, I, you know, at their prime, I like Crowder, um, you know, and there is some truth to what you saying about, you know, maybe he was a little overblown, you know, for that 1991 um, season, but, you know, I, to me, it was one of the, you know, the, one of those special years for fighting, you know, you get to kind of see Probert at his best, you know, Probert going on a tear and, you know, this young, you know, young challenger to his throne and, you know, they see how the whole drama played out over the course of the season, and you had a guy like Probert who was a fighting champion. You know, the kind of guy that would actually go out of his way to get this kid back. You know what I mean? Like, so um it made for a truly great year. I can I can see your point. You know, to the degree where you know it really is it only kind of boils down in a, a handful of fights. You know, for him, but um and you know, but when people talk about it, I mean, you're right. They kind of make it like oh, it was unbelievable. You know, but. I do like him style wise, you know, just blitzing straight ahead right hands against uh O'Reilly with
2: some, some
1: balance issues. I, I like Crowder.
2: Dante. Wow, that's that surprised me. Um, yeah, I mean I had that tape too. Um the the trilogy, it was it was awesome. Um I just never got the powder really enjoyed enjoyed fighting. Um and it and it didn't seem like uh a lot of times he just didn't even seem like he was really into into it. He's definitely the the better he's got the edge physically for sure um, but uh, I, I think I think O'Reilly just just kind of just keeps coming and coming and coming and catches him with a few and and I think Crowder if Crowder gets him early on then yeah I in that but I don't if O'Reilly is able to just weather it a little and keep coming like you know he will. Um, and just keep pounding away and I could see Crowder just kind of like being like, all right, I'm done with this and be okay taking a loss. I never got like the sense like, like Probert where he, he needed to avenge it. Um, I, I never got that feeling from Troy Crowder. And, uh, I, I, I think O'Reilly, I think O'Reilly would win just by pure, uh, savagery there.
0: That's interesting. Well, and see, after all my playing it up, I'm going to swerve a little bit. I would actually pick Crowder in this fight for the fact that I think O'Reilly would be swinging wildly, and I think Crowder, with such the size, I think would just sort of pick him apart. And, like, I think as he's hitting him, you know, O'Reilly's kind of swinging and going down on his knees and getting back up. And I think, like you said, I think Crowder's just punching straight through and almost like picking him back up and hitting him again. And, like, I think Crowder could maintain that punic boxer kind of transition into punching and I think with O'Reilly just kind of flailing around I mean it might be a kind of a Gillies kind of matchup maybe because Gillies kind of had a similar kind of thing but uh I don't know I think Crowder would would maintain his composure and just sort of like I don't know I I think he would pick O'Reilly apart to be completely honest as much as I pains me to say that no, and I and I and I always say this, and I I said that about the when I did the thing myth and reality about Troy Crowder. I'm not saying this to disparage Troy Crowder. It's not like he didn't sign my lunchbox one day, so I hate the guy. <laughs> I, you know, I have nothing against Troy Crowder. And for those before you start, I'm getting angry emails here. Um, I just unfortunately, I think obviously, as Steve brought up, injuries basically halted his career, give or take, and and as. And just mentally, he just he wasn't into it. He said that. It's not me saying this. Troy Crowder said that. That he didn't like, as Dante said, he didn't like fighting. Or he, or he didn't really enjoy the role that much. And he kind of questioned a lot of it. So I think a lot of times, you know, I don't think the enthusiasm was there for it. Um, if it had been, and he hadn't gotten hurt like he did... He, yeah, like Steve he had all the tools. I mean he was a pretty strong Canadian boxing prospect at one time too. And he was a big guy and you could see it. I mean that knockout of Chickering is one of the most vicious hockey punches ever landed. I mean, you know, and you could see he had it. And uh yeah, and if and a pissed off in the mood Crowder when he wanted it, yeah, I could see him picking O'Reilly apart. And he, I mean, and you know, O'Reilly's always going to go for it regardless. He went, he went for it his entire career. so He doesn't give a shit. I mean, he'll just eat it and keep coming. But yeah, I think, uh, I would go with Crowder too. But, um, what are you going to put all the Bruins here? Um, <laughs> oh, this next one, now, know I right. know this next one's been driving Steve nuts. I know it. Sean Thornton and Wendell Clark. Steve, what do you think?
1: Oh. I think McSorley wins. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> You're talking about Sean, Sean Thornton. I'm sorry. Um, no, this is, I mean, you know, I love Clark. He's, he's, I mean, his style is, you know, coming right at you, you know, left and rights. And, you know, he's threw with, with good power too. And Thornton was more like, like a, like a technical, you know, guy, you know what I mean? Like he's one of those guys that like to, you know, tie you up and, you know, it's kind of had a methodical style to him. And I loved him And in Boston. You know, he was, to me, just like just a professional, you know, like he knew how to, he knew how to enforce a game. He knew, how, he knew when to step up. He did. He knew when, when, you know, occasionally you had to go over the line, you know, and he knew when, when to just be straight up. He knew how to work the, you know, the officials. I always thought about him when he had guys like Adam McQuaid coming up with him, like kind of almost like you, you had a veteran there, you know, and he was, you know, one of the, not one of those guys that was like, you know, challenging for the, the title or anything like that, but just a solid technical style of fighter. fighter. Um, but in this one, I like Clark, you know, just that savagery early on. Gordon will weather the storm and try to come back, but it becomes a wrestling affair and it's broken up. I like Clark on points, but, you know, some good shots landed early, you know, before some wrestling.
2: Dante. Yeah, I, I, I have Clark in this one as well. Um, I just feel like, you know, Clark just comes at him and just Keeps throwing and throwing and throwing and throwing, and uh, and Thornton tries to tie him up as best he can. Super strong dude, um, but I think uh, I think Clark kind of overwhelms him there, um, and uh, and and comes away with the win um, on points. Yeah, just just land just lands a lot more. Uh, Thornton just trying to maybe get getting uh, a little bit behind early and just trying to establish his own uh position a little bit and just never really can because Clark just doesn't stop so yeah I go Clark here
0: yeah I mean you know God we're, we're sounding like broken records a little bit but yeah I agree with you though like I think Clark yeah Clark gets the the quick jump and I think uh you know I think he might tire a little bit and Thornton might come on at the end but uh I think while Thornton's you know Clark's swinging while Thornton's trying to gain composure and 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 uh, get a hold of him and then and then he kind of takes over, but yeah, I would sort of give it to Clark on points, but you know, I love both these guys, and um, and I agree with Steve. McSorley did win that fight, but anyway, moving on. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, Chris Nyland versus Gino Ojik. Uh, Dante, what do you think? Uh, this is you know when I had when I saw this matchup,
2: I thought I thought Gino Ojik had a much Bigger um, size advantage here than he actually does over Chris Nyland. He's he's got three inches on him and about ten pounds. I thought I thought it would be a little bit bigger of a difference. Um, again, other than you know the one fight where Ojik goes completely berserk um, and just tries to fight everyone, I, I was never really a big Geno fan. Um, and uh, Nyland just just for being. Uh, just a straight legend um, fight fought for forever. Um, Rangers, uh, Bruins, Montreal, just, just everyone had some absolute wars. So yeah, I go with Nylon just for, uh, just, just for the, um, the pedigree, I guess, for lack of a better word. Steve.
1: Um, yeah, this one's, I mean, I guess it's not quite like an, like an arrow matchup or anything like that. But, you know, Nylon did, you know, was sort of like a, like a, one of those like bridge fighters, you know, he kind of spanned like those, those sort of like you know, mid late seventies, you know, grades. He was still taking on some of those guys. And then he kind of started taking on some of the young guns of the, the late eighties, early nineties, you know, um, you know, and and he, you know, it's, it's funny cause, Obviously, as a Boston you know boy myself, you know I grew up absolutely despising Chris Nylon, you know, and it's funny because he was a Montreal Canadian, you know, he butt-ended Nifty, and that was the end of his him right there. So he so he was he was always like public enemy number one, you know, for a few years there, you know. But as obviously, you know, we've matured, grown up, you know, and you know, you know, fell in love with with hockey fighting and learning it, and you know, you come to respect guys like Nylon, you know, the guys that maybe. They didn't have the the brawn, but they had the brains, you know, the, you know, the technical ability, you know, and everything like that. So, um, I really, you know, became a fan of him sort of later. Um, Gino, I love Gino just the sort of like the wildness, you know, that you certainly not gun shy at all. And he, and, and, you know, a lot of people will say, Oh, he's just, you know, wild and, you know, he shed his jersey, but he's from both sides. He went toe to toe, you know. I really like the way Gino brought it, you know, especially in the early 90s through maybe the mid 90s. He had a good four or five year stretch there where he was a, you know, you can argue he was a top five heavyweight. You know, he was, he was great. Um, you know, but this matchup here, you know, you got that sort of wild Gino against a more technical Nylon, you know, and, um, one of the things I, I clearly see, I can see Gino just you know, right away just trying to work to get the jersey off and just make this a real wild, crazy fight with Nylon trying to, you know, hold on a little bit and, um, you know, so and I, I kind of like you know just a, the the all out swing and logic in this one against you know a game nylon. um you know it's a it's a tough battle a tough fight to pick you know because I like both but I I think Gino pulls this one off just in a, just a wild style fashion you know jersey falling off and um you know elbow pads all over the place and you know what I mean just going going right at it nylon struggling a little bit you know but staying in there so but I got logic in this one.
0: Yeah, I mean it's an interesting uh, definitely. Um, yeah, Nylon, same thing, growing, growing up, whatever, I never liked Nylon. he always bugged me, and I was never a nylon guy, and I never saw the appeal of him, until the documentary came out, and then I watched it, and it got me thinking again, I'm like, okay, I gotta go back and revisit it, and then after I watched Nylon, I got a gr- much greater appreciation for him, once I went back and watched his stuff, um, Gino, there's another guy, I was never a big Odrick fan, actually, I know Tony's just seething right now. Um, you know, um, but, um, I get it. Um, he, guy's a hero in Vancouver, did a great job protecting Burry, did his job. Um, for sure. He definitely wild. There was always the unpredictability, um, and he would do anything to protect those guys. So I get it from that standpoint. I think when, in a fight like this, I think, um, uh, yeah, like you said, I think Gino's trying to get out of the gear going nuts. I think Nylon's got the death grip inside and just fighting up from underneath, which I think is just sort of would just frustrate Ojik. And I can see, uh, yeah, I can just see like a lot of wrestling and Gino kind of just trying to go wild, but Nylon just not letting it happen. And like I said, just fighting on the inside and probably winning on points. Is, I mean, I think it's an ugly fight, but I got Nylon on points, but it'll be, that'd be interesting, this one. Um, well, the next one will be interesting, too. Um, Paul Laws versus Larry Playfair. Uh, Steve, what are we talking about here?
1: Uh, well, it's a, this is a, a narrow matchup. Um, you know, you got Larry Playfair, um, you know, one of the, you know, bigger, you know, tough guys of the, the you know, the early through mid-80s. Um, you know, uh, just big, tall, power-punching, you know, uh, fellow fighter. You know, one of the things that, um, there's not a ton of video on, you know, a younger or, you know, that sort of Buffalo era uh So a lot of times, we you know, there's like gaps in the footage with him. Uh, but this guy was an elite fighter, a scary style fighter. He broke a lot of jaws, broke a lot of noses. This is, you know, he, you know, punched with evil intentions. And he had a bit of um, like a ragdolling type of style where he would just sort of pull on you, throw you down, you know, maul you, you know, um, uh, Paul Moss, you know, smaller than Playfair, but you know, one of these guys that sort of, you know, was able to. He had a, a kind of a ragdolling style himself, you know, um, and he had very deceptive power, you know. He's, you know, kind of like a babyface assassin. He, you, know, you, you don't realize, you know, how serious a guy a puncher this guy is. You know, he seems like he's just all business. Um, this is a very uh, interesting matchup, uh, but um, it, you know, even saying that, you know. I gotta lean towards Larry Playfair, just the power, the reach, you know, the sort of ferocity. I think he kind of overwhelms Loss initially. Um, Loss will get back into the fight, but it's just not enough. And Playfair pulls this one off.
0: Dante?
2: Yeah, I agree. Uh, Paul Laws, I feel like is definitely one of those, uh, underrated guys though. Um, he just, he just, there was something scary about him. He, he could really, he could really punch. Um, and he was a big, big dude. But, uh, yeah, Playfair, you know, just, I, I, you know, went into this tournament not really having a lot of, uh, Larry Playfair, uh, knowledge. And I just went down the rabbit hole with him. And what Steve was saying is true. Like, you know, Ty Domi will put a guy in that, in that, like, spin cycle move that he does. Playfair kind of had a very similar thing where he'd grab you with, the, with his left and then he would, he would tug on you. And sometimes that would get you spinning. But even if it didn't, he would. It would still pull you forward, and then he could come through with that with that right hook, and just over and over again. He just he just had that, and he would do that like circular little tug there, and uh, and it was it was pretty disarming to a lot of fighters. And I feel like um, I feel like he would he would win this against Paul Laws. But I, I do I do I do wish Paul Laws was able to have a little bit more of a of a, of a career there because I feel like he he could have been he could have been pretty special.
0: Yeah, it's unfortunate with that wrist injury, uh, that, that ended his career. Um, yeah, Laws, he's one of those guys. I think he, he kind of just got lost playing in Florida. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and this is kind of before the days of, you know, satellite and every and center ice packages and everybody seeing everything. Florida, of course, the late game out there and everything else. And I think he's sort of forgotten about, but that combo of Warrell and Laws was killer. And, uh, I mean, if Laws had played in Philly or something, or in Boston, it would have been like... He'd be a god. He would be. He'd be a full He'd be a god, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and I I
1: think... He'd be in the top ten conversation easily. (laughs) He would be. Yeah,
0: he would be. And I think people would be, you know, and it's like... Yeah, and I mean, like you said, Deceptive pie. he's the only guy that I can... I'm trying to think off the top of my head, I've never seen Berube get hit like that. And I mean, you know, with that uppercut yeah. that he hit him with, and I mean, I never saw Ruby get tagged like that. And but he tagged a couple guys. And Laws is mean dude, man. And I mean, Belanger and Ruby, and so he could hit. Um, Playfair, yeah. I've said on this show before. Um, I'm like, I'm echoing what Dante said. I'm, I by no means a Playfair expert. Um, you know, I've seen what little is out there on YouTube, and and, and that. But so I'm not going to start. Uh, Proclaiming all these Larry Playfair fights that I've seen, but, um, I think with what's Playfair was sort of unique to the era just because of his size, right? I mean, he kind of had like that 90s size to him, but he was in the 80s, -hmm. so it was like, uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, so I mean, I could, I could really see this fight actually going either way, um, you know, so I mean, you know, I guess if we have to, if I'm voting, I'll probably take Playfair, um, from what I've seen, he looks great from what I've seen. Um, I'm also relying on just, just a lot of uh, research, like reading and just the, the amount of respect that he's given from other guys, like Nyland and guys like that. So, um, yeah, I'll say Larry, but if somebody, like I said, if somebody wanted to say laws, I could Hey, I'm not, I'm not going to poo poo that either. So, uh, yeah, that's just a, that's a tremendous matchup. But, uh, uh, the next one. Well, everyone's seen everything from these guys. I mean, uh, did they ever fight? I don't know. I never actually did. They look did and, yeah, did yeah, they? they uh, yeah. Uh, uh, Cam Jansen versus Jody Shelley. I kind of figured they did, but I don't. I don't remember how it went. But uh, uh Steve Jansen versus Shelley. Oh, well, well, how
1: did it go? They both held each other off with left hand and threw right hand from afar. You
0: know? Yeah.
2: <laughs> over and over and yeah. over again. Yeah.
3: Over and over and over again.
2: I was just going to say it went uh, uh, Jody Shelley by Jersey Jabs. Is yeah, that yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I would,
1: I would go with Shelley in this one. You know, I mean, uh, not that their fights were like, you know, knock down Dragon Ball Wars, you know, and I, and I love both of these guys. Uh, nothing against them. It's just the, the styles, you know, with the, you know, sort of like the Jersey jabbing and, you know, uh, just sort of waiting for the big right, you know, it's, You know, they didn't lead to like, you know, awesome fights or anything like that. I kind of see that playing out here with this one too. just, you know, they did try to work the jersey jab and, you know, Jansen, you know, loses on, on points. It's not a bad beatdown or anything like that, but
2: I like Shelly.
0: Gotcha.
2: Yep. Same thing. Uh, you know, Jody Shelly by jersey jabs. I mean, both of these guys though, like if you want to talk about guys that look like fighters, like facially, these guys are it like, and, and Jansen's, Oh my God. There was a picture on, uh, I guess Christoph Oliwa put a, put a picture of him and Jansen's out a a bit ago. And you see, first of all, the, both of these guys are still absolutely jacked. And, uh, Jansen's fist is it's like a, it's like a ham. Like it's enormous so uh yeah i I would not want to be hit with that it's like getting hit with like an anvil but um yeah i just think uh you know a lot of um both guys having jer you know hold of each other's jerseys real well a lot of jabbing a lot of um jansen's waving off the referees and saying no 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 and and wanting to keep going and the crowd going nuts and um but not really a whole hell of a lot going down and uh and be, just because I watched the video where Shelly wins by Jersey Jabs, I go with Shelly.
0: There we go. Yeah, I'm a big fan of both guys, and I'm going to keep this short. I'm picking Cam Jansen because he's been on my show and Jody Shelly hasn't. So there we go. Yeah. <laughs> <And> Jansen's <laughs> Jansen's awesome. been a guest of the fourth live voice. There we go. Go back and check that out, folks. He was an interesting guest. I'll put it that way. Um, nice guy, but interesting guest. Yeah. Um, Wow, the last one here. we got a last one over on this side of the bracket is a super heavyweight matchup. we got Dave Brown versus Eric Cairns. Uh, Steve, what's happening here?
1: Um, Dave Brown brings it to
0: the left and he
1: pounds Eric Cairns, even a prime Cairns. He <laughs> Brown's just all over him from the get-go when it's too much for Cairns. I'm just going to roll with that. <laughs>
0: Steve (laughs) wants to wrap this episode up quick he's already like holy shit we're an hour and a half in I'm getting
1: you know if we were voting in the tournament I'd have something really crass to say and people would probably get mad at me or whatever but yeah Brown fucks up Cairns pretty easily in this one
0: well there you go Uh, Dante what are you you saying (laughs) agreed I love Eric Cairns too Um,
2: the the guy just you know thunder puncher there but, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Darren and you and I have talked about like the debate between Brown and Probert and, and I got them as like, you know, 1A and 1B. I, I, I can't pick, um, who, who the ultimate goat is there. But, uh, yeah, Dave Brown overwhelming, um, a, 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 game Eric Cairns, but, uh, no, not, not, not enough there for, for Dave Brown. And I almost wanted to pick Cairns just so the rest of the bracket would be real interesting. Um, cause I'm going to have a hard time picking anyone over Brown on this, on this side of it. But, uh, yeah, Brown.
0: Yeah. It's one of those, I think, you know, it's like typical, right? Karen's Karen's Mm -hmm. in a fight before, he, you know, he's in the fight before he realizes it. And Brown's got the teen off with the left. And, um, yeah, Karen's, that'll be a test for Karen's chin, which always Mm -hmm. hasn't, which hasn't always been strong. It got better, Mm -hmm. but it was uh suspect early. And, uh, I think Dave would be testing it out quick, and uh, yeah, both monsters. Karen certainly came into his own later on, and certainly got a lot better. But Brown was just—I think Brown is a level of mean that—and uh, yeah. Karen's could be a mean guy too. But I don't—I don't know if anybody was as mean as Dave Brown. And um, yeah, I would have Brown too.
2: Yeah, no, I don't think anyone was me and mean as Dave Brown and and Cairns. Not only would the fight would be on before Cairns even knew it, and Cairns would think the fight was over well bef- before it was, <laughs> according to Dave Brown. Also, that would be another problem.
0: Yes, every every Brown fight was on Brown Brown's terms. So, it mm-hmm. was, yeah, that uh, that'd be interesting. But uh, well, that's the left side of the bracket. The uh, the right side of the bracket, uh, oh, you start off with another big matchup, uh, Dave Simenko and Donald Brashear. Um, Dante, what do you think? Um,
2: Brashear, giant, 237. Um, Semenko, again, another like, you know, another one of those guys that's just, you know, Gretzky's bodyguard. He, he was, he was a decent fighter. Um, but I think Brashear, too big, too strong. Um, you know, a different a different style of fighter. I think he's able to to outmuscle Semenko and and land the shots he needs to land. And um, I think he wins this one, Brashier. Steve.
1: Um. Yeah. I mean, I I, I agree. I mean, I, a prime Semenko is you know like a savage and ruthless and you know, you get down and dirty. Um, but you know, a prime Brashier is. You know, a near-unbeatable type of fighter. You know, I know his style isn't everybody's cup of tea, you know, but, you know, his strength, I think, you know, Semenko will be in the fight early, but once, you know, Brashier gets that, you know, that, you know, python-like, you know, grip and hug on you, you know, and he starts working those, you know, those rapid-fire left hands, and and then he's out-muscling you. So, I you know, I kind of think that, you know, Semenko loses this one. A prime Brashear is a tough, a tough go.
0: Yeah, like I, I kind of see like kind of the Hunter Semenko thing happening a little bit. Like I could see Brashier kind of like wrapping Semenko up like that, tying him up and really frustrating him. Of course, he doesn't have the hair to pull like Hunter did. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and, uh, yeah. And I mean, I know Brashier, you know, whatever. I know he's, you know, he, he's a very polarizing figure on the boards and people like to shit on him and whatever, but. You know, And I'm not a brushier guy, I was never a brushier fan, but I've always said you got to give the guy his due. Um, for me, he's a, uh, I even said it today, I think on Twitter, uh, somebody says is he top 5? And I said, well, I don't know if he's in my top 5, but he's in my top 10. And uh, somebody was like, wow, but you, didn't you say you weren't a fan of him? I'm like, well, I'm not a fan of him, but at the same time, i I got to give him his due. I mean, he was one of the best ever, and you know... He, you might not like it, but, I mean, kind of the proof's in the pudding, really. If you go back and look at his history, it's like there's not a lot of blemishes on there once he got going. Once he figured it out and got out of Montreal and got to Vancouver, Brashear was pretty much, I don't want to say it was unbeatable, but, I mean, it was close. And, I mean, it, he went a long yeah. time between losses. So, you can hate on it all you want, but that's the way it is. So, and Semenko, I think it's been brought up. I had a couple guys in the show that were, like, really big Semenko Historian kind of guys and unfortunately, I think a lot of the a lot of really Semenko's best stuff isn't available on video So I don't think we saw the best of Semenko but big guy for his time period like big guy for even for now, but especially big back then Um, I've always said there's a difference between enforcing and fighting. He was one of the greatest enforcers of all time I don't think I would call him one of the greatest fighters of all time but he knew what had to get done. Yep, agreed. Yeah. Yes, he delivered when he needed to deliver. He sent a message when it needed to be sent. And uh, But I would have brush here in this as well. Um, uh, the next one, I yeah. Uh, Derek Bugard versus Tiger Williams. Uh, Steve? Steve? Steve's got mm, heat with Tim yeah. Hunter over Tiger, I'll tell you that. So... <laughs>
1: Um, this is
0: a, I mean, another era
1: matchup, and this is just a a really, really tough draw for Tiger. Um, I mean, I just don't really see much of a scenario where, you know, Tiger, you know, can do really do much. I mean, if, if you're looking at a bull like, you know, in his most destructive year, which would probably be his rookie season. Um, you know, I just don't really see Tiger you know, having much of a chance in this one. I mean, it's just, he's just no. too big, too strong comes from both sides it's just too much for Tiger in this one and uh you know kind of Bougard walks away with this one.
0: Dante?
2: Completely agree I think it's probably the the biggest uh the biggest mismatch of the of the tournament um you know Bougard is just way too big 6'7 258 compared to 5'11 190 I mean it's just I I don't yeah, I just see Bugar just getting that classic pose where he just stands there with, with you know the left up by his chin there, and then just uh, unloading power shots. And uh, I think this one's over pretty fast.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't think we need to talk. I mean, sorry, Tiger, you're a SAS guy. I want to uh, I want to go with the Saskatchewan guy, but uh, and the all time penalty minute leader certainly fearless. I mean, you know, you know, Tiger, go right at him. He wouldn't be afraid no, yeah. of Boogard. He'd go right at him. But yeah, it. Uh, uh, well, Boogie's a sass guy too. But it was. Uh, yeah, this. Yeah, this wouldn't end well. I think Boogard would. Just too big and too much. But so we won't mm-hmm. dwell on that for too long. But uh, well, another another big guy, actually a couple big guys in this one. Um, yeah. Uh, Chris McAllister versus Tim Hunter. Um, Steve, what are we thinking here? Um, I,
1: you know, I think Tim Hunter needs to stop blocking me. He blocked you. That's a damn shame. That's what it is. Uh, no, uh, Tim Hunter is one of my, you know, my all-time favorites, and um, you know, I really think he sort of, I, I, I always refer to this, but I think he kind of like, you know, innovated hockey fight tactics, you know, especially with that cross grip style, um, you know, and he was able to kind of turn a lot of those, you know, one arm bandit style fighters, you know, into helpless victims, you know, and um, I always give him credit for that. Um, the thing is, uh, you know, with with, with Hunter, he's going to be taking a, a big monster in McAllister who also, you know, could throw from both sides. I, you know, McAllister also like to use a little cross grip himself. So this is a really tough, a tough mountain for Hunter to climb here. I mean, as much as I, you know, as much as a Hunter guy I am and um a big fan and everything like that, but I just style wise and just sheer size. I, I like McAllister in this one. Um, not a beating or anything like that. A, a fairly close fight. Hunter
2: trying to make it a long one, but I like McAllister. Dante? Yeah, great analysis there. Um, I agree. I think just another another underrated fighter, Chris McAllister. I, I, you don't really hear a lot of people mention him. Um, and, uh, you know, at 6'7", 238, that's That's too much, and I think Hunter will be fine. I don't for sure he's not getting destroyed, Um, and he's and it's a lot of in close. Both guys grappling. McAllister could throw both hands pretty well, Um, but yeah, I think uh, you know I I think it's a long fight. I think there's a lot of shots landed, Um, but I think McAllister you know gets the decision.
0: Yeah, it'd be interesting. Like I think Hunter could tie him up pretty good. Um. same thing, McAllister punching downhill so that's always easier um, mm-hmm. you know, yeah it'd be inter- it's an interesting matchup I mean, you know, I I could see it going either way um, Hunter would definitely be trying to control it uh, you know, just through the wrestling whereas McAllister I think would probably try to open up try to open up a little more um, but yeah, I could see it going either way um, I guess my deci- well here, I'm going to do this again, my deciding factor is I guess I'll take McAllister because He's been on my show. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> just,
2: you know, just, I was watching some Chris McAllister videos, and just like, like Wade Belak is six five, two twenty three, mm-hmm. and he looked small fighting Chris McAllister. So yeah. it's just you know it, it, he's just a, just a a big guy, and I love Tim Hunter too. He's one of those guys that like got me into into fighting because you know there was a lot of of Tim Hunter fights to watch. So. Uh, and again, he just had that face. His face was scary too. Um, but yeah, no, I think, I think Chris McAllister might just be too much.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. We see Chris McAllister walking through Walmart. You get a sense of <laughs> of how big he really is. It's, it's interesting when you see it. Yeah. I saw him from a distance at Walmart and it's like, yeah, that's like, he's, he's, that's like the largest human in here for sure. Yeah. It's, yeah. uh, yeah. Nice guy too. Uh, but yes, uh, yeah, it'd be an interesting matchup. But uh next one. Uh Glenn Co- yeah can read my own right. Glenn Cochran and Ty Domi. Dante. Burn I, I think
2: me. this is another this is this is another one I'd love to see. I yeah. think this is another really, really fun fight. Glenn Cochran just, you know, wide open, grab you, thro- throw bombs, you know, do the you know, he yeah. just he's just in at the fight. There's not gonna be a lot of defense. He's just going to keep pounding away and Domi is Domi. You know, he's going to, if he gets, if he gets that little spin going on you, that could be a problem for anyone. And, um, I, uh, again, this is another one where it's to me, it's a, it's a, it's a pick Um, it's one I'd love to watch. I think it would be a a hell of an entertaining fight, but, um, I'm going with Domi because Domi's in my top five. Favorite fighters, not necessarily my top five best fighters, but my top five favorite fighters. So I go Domi.
0: Steve, you got Captain Caveman and Ty Domi, What are we going here? Yeah, this is a, a good one, of uh, like a, a wild, almost
1: unpredictable one. Um, you know, when I think mm-hmm. of a prime Flyn Cochran, I'm thinking of um, you know, it's, you know Philadelphia, you know Eric Cochran, you know, um, you know, kind of. You know, early to mid '80s. You know, you know, wild Glenn Cochran, who was sort of like almost the precursor to some of the the Jersey shutters that you would see in the late, you know, the late '80s, early '90s. He was one of those guys like to get the jersey off. And um, I don't know. Maybe this is a little a little bit of like my. I don't know if it would be considered an upset special because Cochran was was sort of great in his own right. But I'm actually leaning towards Cochran in this one against Domi. Kind of an un, a wild fight. Jersey comes off. You know, Cochran lands a few. Domi can't get the spin cycle going. Can't, can't get some of his usual antics going. Um, and yeah, Cochran pulls this one up.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. As I'm thinking in my head, I'm just thinking, you know, the Cooperalls, you know, they got the pants going. and <laughs> the Jersey's flying off. And I think Domi's trying to get a hold of them, And Cochran's just going, you know, spaz caveman. And I, I, yeah, like I said, I think Domi has a hard time getting a hold of Cochran. I think Cochran's just sort of flipping out and they it's a sloppy fight. Like I could see him falling and both of them getting up and falling and Domi's trying to get a hold of him and Cochran's just losing his shit. Um, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I think if Domi could get a hold of like the pants suspenders and start kind of spinning a little bit, <laughs> Cochran's in trouble. Um, so I could, I could definitely see people going either way with this. Um, yeah, yeah. I would think it's a short spazzy fight and I'm giving it to Cochran because he's just getting all his stuff off and Domi can't get a handle on him Um but yeah, this would be interesting I'm a big fan of both these guys actually it's funny because when Domi, I always say when Domi first came up with the ring, I hated him oh I hated him. I'm like who is this little goof you know, but <laughs> once he got to <laughs> Winnipeg I actually became like a really big Domi fan and uh and Cochran, yeah, I don't. It, it took me a, like it took me a while to f- f- even realize who Cochran was. I remember I just started getting some old mixed '80s DVDs. And I was just like, "Who is this guy? Like, this is like Captain Caveman, and he's just like, yeah, just like losing his mind. He's got the Cooperalls going, and I'm like, this guy is like sad with the beards everywhere. And, yeah, I could I could get down with Glenn Cochran. That's all right. Yeah, it was funny. Yeah. Like I saw the. I remember when Adam Scorgi made Ice Guardians. And he sent me, before it was ever out or anything, he sent me kind of like a sneak peek, uh, what do you call it, a sizzle reel. It was basically like, it was basically like a trailer that they shopped around to the studios to get the, to get funding for the show. I don't think he actually ever released it. But I remember watching all these interviews and they're showing video clips and interviews and I'm like, who is this guy talking? And it's, and it's Cochran. I don't even think he made the final, I don't even know if Glenn Cochran made the final cut of the show. But in this, he's, like, clean-shaven, and he's wearing, like, this little golf shirt, and he's sitting in some, you know, in BC behind some winery or something. I'm like, who is this guy? And I'm like, also, his name, I'm like, if you had given me a 100 guesses, I wouldn't have guessed Glenn Cochran. Because I'm used to seeing him with the beard and flipping out, right? But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that was just, that story has another. No that story has no ending. It was just, like, I just couldn't believe what a, <laughs> As he's aged here, how, how much, how different he looked. But yeah, cause for some reason, cause I was sending a Glenn Cochran picture to somebody the other night and it was, uh, it's an old flyer one. He's got the old like knuckle buster helmet and the Cooper alls on and the beard. And I'm like, you just look at a guy and you like look at him and you wouldn't, even if you didn't know anything about him and you just looked at that picture, you know, that guy's not quarterback in the power play. like that guy just has captain caveman written all over him like you're like this guy's gonna kick the shit out of somebody yeah for sure yep yep. he ain't scoring he's kicking the shit out of somebody yeah but um yeah that could go either way that one for sure um the next one well we kind of got a new school here um scott parker versus ryan reeves uh dante what do we have what's happening in this one Ah, uh, this is like a really tough
2: one to pick because, I mean, Reeves now, he just, he just fights not to lose. And, and it's really disappointing. I wish he would just, you know, I wish he would just go off like, you know, early Reeves still. But now he's just like, I don't know, I guess he's sort of, he's got the belt and he just kind of fights like he's not going to like let you, let you win the belt, but he's not going to try to beat you anymore. Um, Parker, uh, just all around monster, Six five, two forty, heavy right hand. I, I, I'm, you know, logically I give this to Parker pretty, pretty much, pretty easily. I think, um, I'm going to say Reeves just so we have a current guy in the, in the, in the tournament. That's oh, it.
0: Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, Steve.
1: Um, yeah, this is a good, good matchup here. Um, you know, Parker's just, you know, he has that size and strength and, and Reeves, you know, he's no slouch himself, you know, um, it's, it's just so interesting when we, you know, sort of compare like sort of the errors, you know, and like, you know, with Parker coming up, he's taking on like Proberts and twists and, and stuff. Mm-hmm. like that. And, you know, with Reeves, it's like, there's just, there's really not a lot out there, you know, but I still try not to, you know, I still think that he's, maybe we sell him a little short sometimes as a fighter, but in this one I do like like Parker. I just think this you know, the the strength is there. I just think he kinda he's able to control, you know, Reeves a little bit more and Reeves isn't able to kinda like, you know, flip the arm off as easy as he would with some other fighters, you know. Um, he likes to kinda like pull the arm your arm off and just sort of a you know, throw you off balance and, you know, take control. I just I don't think he's really out muscling a guy like Parker, you know, so I um, you know, I, I see a close battle but I think Parker pulls it out.
0: Yeah, I think it's just one of these things, like you said, it's an era thing, mindset thing. I always say, the thing that always kind of gets me on the message boards with Reeves is um, like a lot of the older fight fans or whatever kind of like to shit on him and it's like, I, I've always sort of like I don't know why you're shitting on Reeves. Why don't you shit on the other ninety eight percent of the league that are a bunch of pussies? Yes. I'm like, why is it Reeves? Why is it Reeves's fault? No one will fight. It's, you know, it's not him. <laughs> I'm like, you know, I don't know what you're mad at him for. I'd be mad at everyone else that doesn't want to fight him. But you know, whatever. Um, and I and I think some of these guys get wrapped up into this. Uh, oh, Reeves, he'd get murdered in the eighties. Like, oh, come on, like. You know, yeah. I, I, like I said, Neil Sheehy never got murdered, so I'm pretty sure Ryan Reeves will be okay, you know. Now, yeah. am I saying if we stuck Reeves in the 80s and 90s, he's carrying the belt around? No, but he'd be fine. But um, I yeah. think it, in this matchup with Parker, I think at the same time, I don't think he's faced a guy like Parker, where or has the, I guess has the fight card of a Scott Parker. It was interesting when I had, um, this is completely neither here nor there, but it was like, when I had Daniel Amesbury on the show a while ago, and he played a season in the East, in the Central League and with the Denver cutthroats of the Central League, well, Parker came down to their practice and, and was kind of giving them some fighting tips and would be around the team. And to listen to Amesbury describe some of the stuff that Parker showed him, holy shit, you'd be in jail if he pulled some of that shit off, I'll tell you that, like... So, I mean, you talk about, like, he talks about sticking the thumb in the Adam's apple and all that stuff, and, like, to get guys to break and, like, bend their fingers back to get them to break their hold and stuff like that, when uh, I can guarantee Ryan Reeves has never faced anybody that's done that shit, so, uh, yeah, I think that's, it would be a different level of fighter that Reeves than Reeves is used to, and, uh, yeah, I would have Parker as well. But uh, it, listen to Amesbury tell some stories about Scott Parker is pretty wild though, uh, when he's out in the ice showing you a few things. I think I, I think Scott Parker grabbing your Adam's apple is probably not a real. It's, that sounds like nightmare fuel to be completely honest. But uh, yeah, that's
3: no good. No,
0: <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Um, yeah, he wasn't really interested in the good luck, bro. Yeah, uh, that really wasn't his thing. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> this next one's kind of interesting. Uh, Steve, I know you're kind of you're down with the history and stuff, so I know you you might have some uh, thoughts on this. But Fakoda versus Durbano, um, d- d- hey, the other day, did you listen to my episode when I when Terry Ryan Senior answered my question about Durbano? Did you hear that? Yes. yes. yeah Yeah, that was kind of funny. But what what are your thoughts on this matchup?
1: <laughs> this is, you know, it's I it's uh, you know, it's another Aaron matchup, and I've I'm one of those guys I like Durbano like he has so many like like crazy stories like you know like almost like wild stories and off ice stuff and but you know I've always more looked at him as more of like a more of a crazy you know he was like an on ice like crazy you know he's one of those guys that would do something zany something nuts you know um, but I never really like looked at him as being some like an all-out fighter you know like a great you know fighter you know so you know, and when you're matched up against, you know, someone like Vukoda, who I, it was kind of like one of those like purebred style, you know, from the juniors on up, came up, you know, as a, you know, tough guy, you know, was an enforcer. And I know he gets a lot of uh, grief, you know, for his, um, you know, body slam tactics and, you know, a lot of the wrestling he would do, but he was he was a solid fighter when he threw down he could throw from both sides you know he go toe to toe almost see you know equally adept with the left hand as he was with the right you know he's very very strong i just don't really see any real scenario. Unless Durban only pulls a hammer out of his back pocket and like jump you know, him <laughs> or something like that. You know you know, and maybe he like maybe he makes like a little like a little you know a little deal in the locker room before the you know, the game or something like, you know, your signature or your brains are gonna be on this contract or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, so that's the only really thing I could really see happening.
2: So I like Boot Code, I
1: like code on a the
2: walk. There you go, Dante. <laughs> Uh yeah, I, I have to defer to Steve on this because I, I you know, I was unable to really dig up any Durbano footage other than him uh in a mob scene fighting uh Nick Fatio and then mooning the uh MSG crowd on the way out. That's all that's all I could really find um with him. Um Bukoda is kinda interesting because for me he frustrated me so bad when I when I first um really got into watching fighters because I was, I hated the body slam move. And cause uh, the, the reason why is because I was like, dude, you're winning this fight. Like you're, you, you know, you're, you're yep. winning this fight on punches and then you, you're taking this weird, like bailout move. And then, you know, and, and ending up on top. I didn't understand why he would do it sometimes. Um, and it would just frustrate me because I was like, man, this was, this was just getting good and, and you're, and you're winning. Um, and then he would do that. But, um, you know, his interview with Joe Lozito was one of the, like, the best podcast shows I listened to. Yep. Um, it just made me That's like, him. absolutely. Yeah. It just made me absolutely love the guy. His stories were hilarious. Um, he just sounds like an awesome person. And, and again, like I, he frustrated me early on, but I grew to respect him just like overall. I just kind of like, kind of like took the fight like up to the point where he did the body slam and said all right that was an awesome fight you know and and so yeah I again I don't I don't know anything about him the Durbano really other than he was just a maniac apparently um and uh you know probably pretty fun to watch back in the day but I, I go with Mick
0: yeah I mean that's the thing with Durbano right I mean there's only limited footage I mean lots of stories and and, and myth and reality and all that with Durbano and it's you know, at the end of the day it's a sad story, his life as it turned out. But um yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we get the space balls, helmet, rocket and everything else, and I think he was more like Steve said, I think he was more probably crazy than anything else. And I mean, you know, he's one of those guys, like, you know, make sure he drops a stick first, you know, before anything and um how much of a fighter fighter was he? Ah, eh, who knows. I don't know. I i am again I'm not gonna much like you said, Dante, I'm not going to profess to be any expert or anything. I mean, I've just sort of seen what little is out there of them, and, you know, whatever. Um, Fakoda, yeah, I always say the same thing. I mean, you're winning. I can see if you're losing to do the body slam to get out of it. But yeah. I'm like, you're winning, man. You don't, you just keep kicking his ass. And it was funny, yeah. though, but every once in a while when it was almost like if he was going to, like, try to prove a point, he could, like, he, he would hate it, Domi, clearly, and he would out punched Domi all the time, and it was like, and you could see him, like, he, and it's like, and he didn't body slam him, so it was like, he didn't need to, and it was funny, I always, like, people always said, oh, he never went toe-to-toe, he never went anything, I always laugh with Fakoda, I remember getting, when, um, when he got to Montreal, right at the end of his NHL career, and then into the IHL with Utah, you go back and watch some of his fights, he's like swinging wide open, it's like a completely different guy, it's like, oh yeah, but if Fakoda wanted to, yeah, he could go wide open. I mean, I don't mind Fakoda. he's a Saskatoon guy too. I got to stick up for him. But great fight card, did it for a long time. He's a hero in New York. Yeah, and you're right. The the interview with Joe Lazito whatever it is, three part, four parts, whatever it is. It's like, yeah, that's one of the best hockey fight podcast interviews of all time. And I mean. Well oh, I laugh and then Joe's like, Yeah, you should get Mick on your show. I said, What the hell am I gonna talk to him about? You right. t- <laughs> you yeah. shit, you guys talk for six hours. What more can I have you know? What are we gonna talk about? The sights and sounds of Saskatoon? It's maybe about the only thing we could talk about. I mean, you covered everything else. But, uh, I might get him on for his five toughest opponents. I've actually talked to Fakoda about coming on, so maybe we'll do oh, it. That would be awesome. Yeah, I mean, that's all I could really do with him, his five toughest opponents. There's not much else I could talk about. Joe and him talked about everything else. But, yeah, I mean, great guest. And, uh, I think a better fighter than I think some of the. I know he gets shit on, but I think he, he was better than some of the people give him credit for it. But, uh, did a good, did a long time. But, uh, the next one was the Battle of St. Louis. Really? Well, I not really. I guess he's more of a Minnesota guy. I guess that's always Basil. But uh, Basil McRae versus Reed Low. Uh, Steve, what's happening here? Uh, this is a, another
1: you know really good uh, matchup here um, between these two.
0: Um,
1: you know, like McRae is sort of like a like a technical stamina you know style fighter. You know, one of those guys that you know kind of. You know, mix it up toe to toe, but he'd also go for the long haul and, you know, uh, you know, he's, you know, sort of, uh, gonna be a handful, you know, for anybody. Low himself was, you know, I, I, kinda, kinda like Low, uh, um, you know, for his time in St. Louis. Just, you know, he was a really tough guy and, uh, he would bring it, you know, you know coming from both sides. He could, I actually, uh, like the way he, he, uh, would throw down and this is a good matchup here. I just kinda, when I see this matchup, I, for some reason, I'm just automatically just leaning towards low in this one. And, um, I just think he gets the edge in a good battle. Um, you know, I, not that it's a dominating fight or anything like that. McCray acquits himself. Well, it's just, yeah, I just like low to sneak this
2: one out.
0: Dante. Yeah. Agreed.
2: Uh, I, I put Basil McCray in my Lyndon buyers category of just like guys. I just like, and I root for, and I love their names and I love that they, that they, that they did it, that they did the job. Um, if you want to watch a great fight that just um, shows Darren Langdon, uh, you know, and and what he was about, watch Darren Langdon versus Reed Lowe. The fight goes on for nearly two minutes. Uh, there's a hilarious scene towards the end of some woman in the crowd looking positively, like, appalled by what she's seeing. It's awesome. But, uh, I mean, it really looks like this is the beating that Darren Langdon never took and it's it's just read low from the start both hands uh, Langdon unable to tie him up in any way and him just firing away firing away firing away but not really able to damage him like somehow like Langdon just seemed to like be able to live at the very end of your punch and so like you, you might get him you might make contact but it's it's really like just you know it's like when in science when you learn about like inertia and you throw a ball up and there's like that point where it's like it's actually not moving before it comes back down. I feel like that's where uh, that's where Darren Langdon's face was at all times in a fight. and um, But this fight goes on forever and Reed Lowe really uh, uh, demonstrates some some excellent fighting skill. So um, I'm going Reed Lowe.
0: Well, fucking inertia and science. Holy shit. <laughs> I'm, you know what though? As, as you're saying that, he lives at the end of the punch. We're back out of here, folks. Yes, we. Had some, I had some technical difficulty on my end. No, I was. Uh, I sort of lost you right when I was saying what, the, what a great analogy it was that Langdon lives at the end of the punches. Like, I've never actually thought of it that way. That's completely true, though. Um, yeah, it's very good. Um, but yeah, Basil McRae and Reed Lowe, I think it would be a great battle. I think Reed Lowe is criminally underrated by fight fans. Um, he is yeah. actually one of the guys that when I put this ep- list out, because he's been in... He hasn't been in every one of them, but he's been in a few of these probert things. Low, what are you nuts? I'm like, are you serious? I'm like, go watch his fights, man. Like, go watch yeah, go Reed on. Low. And I have a million of his fights on my YouTube channel. Go watch them go watch Reed Low and Eric Bolton in the American League. That's like one of the best fights Great you're fight. ever yeah, you're ever gonna see. And the fight with Scott Parker in the American League is one of the best fights you're ever gonna see. No, Reed Low could throw with both hands. Um, probably didn't have the power that some guys have, but could Reed Low is awesome. Go watch, him, God, just, anybody listening? If you're kind of looking at your dashboard right now, like uh Darren's up his ass. No, no, I'm serious. Go down the Reed Low rabbit hole on YouTube. You will be pleasantly surprised because Reed Low is awesome. Mm-hmm. And Basil McRae, yep, yeah. nothing wrong with Basil. He was all right. Al's Al's mad at me right now, but. But uh, Basil was game. He's always in it. He'll fight everybody. Um, you know, out of would he hurt you? Yeah, probably not. But I mean, you know, I got to say, if I'm picking a winner in this one, I'm going with Reed Low though. So, ba- despite Basil and his Velcro sleeves, which I thought, was <laughs> which I thought, which I thought was hilarious. Um, final matchup in this bracket here. Uh, well. John Ferguson, some would say the original enforcer. John Ferguson versus Tony Twist. Steve, what's happening here?
1: Ah, uh, we got a like a real um, era matchup here. Uh, yeah. I don't think we even really do. We even have anybody else from Ferguson's era in the, the whole bracket. I don't think. I don't think we do. But no. But Ferguson, yeah, he's sort of like the, um, you know, the, the one who started it all. You know, as they say, and uh, it had a tremendous impact. You know, on on sort of, I guess. At the time, I believe it would be more like a policeman role. Um, you know, Ferguson was also quite a good player, too. Um, a very aggressive player. It's just... I'm just not seeing a scenario here where even as tough as Ferguson was and as gritty and, you know, savage as he, he might have been, I just can't see a situation where he beats Twist straight up. Um, Twist was just a, you know, just too, too much, you know, for some great, great fighters, you know, um, on his own. And I just really see a guy like Ferguson... And I, I, granted that you know there's not a lot of footage on Ferguson, um, you know what there is, you know there's you know, only a, hand, a couple of, of of scraps out there, you know to try to judge him on. I just really don't see much of a scenario where he, he's able to outdo,
2: you know, twist in the situation. I just I think it would be too much. Dante, yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, you're talking six foot one seventy eight compared to six one two thirty. It's no I, I I just think twist is just way too strong um and just you know the fight game evolved so much between the two that like you know like yeah, Ferguson was probably the toughest guy in the game at the time, but you know twist was arguably the toughest guy in the game when there was lots and lots of very very tough guys um whose job it was just to fight so yeah, no, I, I just think this is uh this is a twist win here.
0: Yeah, I mean you like you said, it's a complete era mat like as as big of an era matchup as there can be and and uh yeah, I mean you basically have twist that became that defin definition pigeonhole of the the three shift fighter and Ferguson, mm-hmm. twenty goal guy, big contributor to those apps to those Montreal teams and, and and no doubt, uh like you said, we we talked about the Mount Rushmore before Um, if you're talking about enforcing and that type of thing, like I said, obviously always sort of brought up as kind of the, the first real enforcer in hockey. Um, and so there should be definitely credited for that. But, uh, you know, as you go on and, you know, and you have Tony twist who, you know, could arguably be in a top 10, top 15 type of thing of all time. Yeah. It's just, you know, too much and just too big and. Just a, a, di- a different view on things. And I mean, you know, old Fergie, I know for as tough as he was and everything else, for all the fights Fergie was in, he never got a hold of someone like Twist where it's, you know, that large. That'd be like fighting a bull. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't yeah. know. I can't see it going real well. But uh, we're down to the last bracket here. And, uh, you know, the the final eight bouts. But um, the first one... um. George LaRock versus Rick Tockett. Uh, Steve, what's happening here?
1: Yeah, this is – I feel bad for Tockett because this is kind of a, a bit of a mismatch. Um, as, as tough and, you know, as game as he might be, I just I just feel that – I'm not really seeing Tockett pull this one out. And, you know, And don't get me wrong, he's, he's proven, you know, that he can, you know, hang with somebody, you know, these bigger heavyweights. But a guy like LaRock who lost so rarely, you know – You know, have a style that was, you know, you know, he was sort of like all out left hands. And if that didn't put you away, he was just going to wrestle you right into the ice. You know, and it's just, um, I don't really see a scenario where, you know, I, where Talkett can pull this one off. It's, in fact, when LaRocque was doing his thing in his prime, he would, I don't think he would ever really take on a guy like Rick Talkett. You know, Talkett would be more like a Jerome McGinnla style of player, you know, and kind of like a you know, a superstar who could fight, you know, and, I just don't really see, you know, like, you know, I don't know if this would, this fight would ever happen, but if it did, you know, I just, I don't really see Talker really being able to do what he usually does. And he's a tough guy. He's one of the great, like, I always look at him as one of the great, like, non-heavyweights, you know, um, to, you know, to ever drop the gloves. I know a lot of people love Wendell Clark and stuff, The Talker was really good. Uh, they throw him from both sides and switch hands, you know, it's just rapid fire and But I just, um, I think LaRock is just too big, too
0: strong, you know, bringing that
1: left-handed thunder, and it's just going to be too much.
0: Dante?
2: Yeah, so so like I said early on with with Brad May, I would love to have Brad May on one side of the bracket and Rick Tockett on the other side of the bracket in just like a power-forward, badass uh, fight tournament and just watch the two of them just rise up and hopefully – you know, meet in the middle at some point. Um, I think, you know, the knock on LaRock has always been that he was just too nice. And I feel like um, part of the reason why Tockett gets beaten here pretty soundly is because Tockett would make maybe LaRock mad and mean. Like, because, you know, when you were in a fight with Tockett, man, it was like you were in a fight to the death. And like, I just feel like the rock would just have to put you, put him down like a, like a, almost like a, a wild animal, um, coming at him. And it might be, <laughs> it might be the moment where you see the rock fight angry and mean, um, and, and you might bring out the, the, the worst in the rock there. So yeah, I think Tockett would be his own worst enemy in this fight because, uh. Yeah, he would he would wake up Little Rock a little bit there because you you he wouldn't really have any choice with Tockett to just you know take it easy because Tockett's just gonna just gonna keep coming. So, I mean, even the the, the I'm trying to remember who he was fighting Tockett um, Probert Tockett and Probert and Tockett is just you know headbutting him right in the face again and again and Probert's like looking at the like what the hell is this you know and then Probert comes right back and does it. So yeah, I mean it, it would be uh, it would be a problem
0: for. Uh, for Tockett though when
2: once he angered Larocque there
0: yeah I think I love Rick Talk. he's one of my favorite players of all time um LaRock probably have George in my top five of all time if not mm-hmm. real close um yeah I can't I I don't see any scenario of Tockett winning this at any point it's just no it's not happening so George is too big just too strong and yeah yeah he just overwhelmed Tockett but uh uh, that power forward bracket. I know. I've done it before. I've had a Gord, the Gordie Howe Classic. I've done a few of them. I'll oh, have to do... True. Yeah, I'll <laughs> have to do another one. I, uh, yeah, because... Uh, yeah, I think Tocca won one of them, actually, one year. But, uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, he was one of the best. Um, well, the next one, the Battle of New York. We got uh, Nick Fatio and Clark Gillies. Uh, Steve, what are we doing here? This is, um, you know, maybe... Maybe
1: more like it's one of the highly anticipated matchups of like, you know, the late 70s. Um, you know, obviously you got, you know, Clark Gillies, you know, one of the, the, the great tough guys of that time frame and for T.U. as well. Um, it's a real shame that these guys never came together. It's, it, it's interesting, too, because both of them kind of had that temperament, right? You know, that Gillies was sort of like slow to anger. But once he was, like, pushed over that line, you know, he would, you know, remember we used to always joke around about, you know, when we had those old hypotheticals, people would talk about, you know, uh, an irate Gillies. If you were dealing with an irate Gillies, you know, he was just something else. You know, once he was significantly, like, pissed off and pushed to the brink, you know, whether he did something to a teammate, Gillies could be almost lethal. Um, You know, but uh, at other times he would just, like, let things slide. You know, he kind of... You know, he was almost one of those guys that was sort of slow to anger at a long fuse. Uh, Tew, It was sort of like, you know, one of those policemen, like where, you know, that was more or less his role, you know, to an ex- you know, for, to a great extent. And it's, it's interesting because Fatio was also one of those guys that really didn't like a lot of times force the issue, you know, like, I mean, it wasn't one of those guys like, a, he didn't have that temperament of some of the more aggressive fighters of that time. Although yeah, he clearly was a skilled fighter. A lot of people were wary of him, you know? So, you know, this was a great fight that I wish it had gone down. There's actually a little clip of a, a brawl between these two teams where these two guys were actually holding on to each other, kind of talking to each other, but nothing really uh, transpired. Probably just a lot of mutual respect. You know, that's kind of how I, I think Fatih and, and Clark Gillies would sort of like look at each other. You know, they'd have respect for each other and, uh, you know, but as far as a fight and how this goes down, you know, this is very interesting. Uh, Fatih is probably more technically skilled, whereas Gillies, you know, probably brought more thunder and, you know, all out, you know, uh, brutal power, raw power and strength. You know, this is, you know, an interesting fight. Um, I'm just, I'm going to say here, just, you know, you, I see this being very close, but I like Gillies with a couple of quick explosive flurries being able to kind of pull this one out in a in a close fight, an interesting fight to say the least. You know, does Fotio get like the shadow boxing start, you know, where he's kinda of like, you know, got the you know, he's rolling the fist back and forth, he's waiting for Gillies you know, to commit. Does he does he counter him as he comes in? Or does this happen like uh Flatio against McAlargie where they're just kind of like gets, you know, in the corner, argue comes up, drops the gloves and latches right on. You know, so it's I guess it in a lot of ways However you view this fight going down, you have to kind of include that because that was part of Fatiu's game. You know, he loved that shadow boxing routine, try to catch you with a quick one-two piece before you came in. You know, whereas Gillies is probably more, you know, uh, all out, let's latch on. Let's do this. You know, so this is interesting. I'm going to go with Gillies here in a, in a close one, and an exciting one. Um, you know, you, and I think just
2: a couple of, of flurries is the
1: difference.
0: Dante?
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm going to take Fatio for for uh, a couple reasons, but yeah, this is not this is not an easy match at all. Fatio is exactly going to do what Steve said. He's going to back off, and he's going to box him right. And he's going to he's going to he's going to jabbing and jabbing and in straight jabbing and in straight. And if he catches him, he could put him down. Um, but you know, Gillies could also do exactly what Steve said. So, and and just to his point about Fatio just being you know kind of like willing to let it go like there's a there's the fight with him and jim schoenfeld where uh you know for whatever reason schoenfeld really wants this fight and he is he is really trying to like get him to go and fatir's just kind of you know what let's stop it you know there's the scrum going on and he's just kind of ignoring him and then schoenfeld just uh straight up grabs him by the throat like i mean he just he just grabs his throat and then fatir no like and then this switch just flips and he, you know, he beats the brakes off of him. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's the Wilson comp. You know, Fatio you, beat Ben Wilson, and Ben Wilson beat Clark Gillies, and kind of terrified Clark Gillies there. and tells that tells that story too, where he had to, you know, get over that fear of him. So I don't know. It's it's a pick 'em again, um, but I'm just gonna go with with Nick, who I do think is a bit overrated. But uh, I, I'm, I'm still picking him here.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting matchup. I think, yeah, if it sticks to the boxing, uh, it's definitely Fatio. But I think if Gillies can grab him and kind of corral him a little bit and get him up against the glass, like like McElhargy did, um, I would have Gillies winning it. Um, yeah, Fatio, I've gone back and forth on Fatio on this show. I've gone back and forth on Gillies, too. I think both... I, I, I don't know. I always say, like, both left you leaving wanting so much more out of them. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: yeah, this is a tough matchup. You can almost see why they didn't go at it. These, yeah. Two of the guys that, they didn't really play a ton. Yeah. You know, and it's kind of frustrating because they were two of the best of that time.
0: Yeah. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? I get it, like, you know, you know, well, Gillies was a much better player than Nicky was. But, I mean, so I get I get it from Gillies' standpoint and stuff. I never – Fatio, I don't know. It just they just I guess they just didn't have it in them to press the issue. But um, yeah, it's too and I, it's too bad. I wish they had more of a temperament, more of a fighter's temperament, because I think uh, or more aggressive. Because then I think we could have got a lot more, just a lot more fight. Just from a fan standpoint, from a fight fan standpoint, I just would have loved to have seen them both fight more, just to see what they would have done, right? And it would have been great to yeah. see them actually battle each other and just you know give us so much more to talk about. But uh, yeah. But I could see either way, either or, but I would, if I'm, if I can vote, I'm picking Gillies. But, uh, the next one, we got Stan Jonathan and Wade Belak Dante. What are we doing here?
2: Uh, so, so Stan Jonathan, I know there's there's going to be so many people who are angry because he has such a huge following. Um, but he's he's five foot eight, one seventy five. I mean, he's basically my size, and I'd love to say that I can beat up every six foot five, two hundred and twenty three pound guy I ever came across. But I, I don't I don't see him beating a Wade Belak. Belak, a right handed puncher that KO'd Brashear with a left. Um, I just I just think it's just too much for a very very game, willing, scrappy, fun as hell to watch fighter in Stan Jonathan. But I just think. Belak is able to just hold him off, you know, and tee off on him, and I think he wins it. Steve? Well,
1: you know, I mean, I, I always feel like in these tournaments, I'm always going against my Bruins, you know, and then I guess I, I'm I, gotta, I guess I'm doing it again. I mean, and not for, you know, lack of, of, of effort or courage on Jonathan's part. He's proven in the past that he's willing to go toe-to-toe with, you know, like a guy like, I mean, people think Ben Wilson is a top three all-time guy and Stan Jonathan was battling him to a standstill, you know? So it, it I mean, he certainly can hang with, you know, any, if, if you're going to use that as like a, a measuring stick, you know, and uh, a guy like Belak though, just, I, I always, I, they're almost, he was one of those guys that almost never appeared to get beaten badly. Um, he was so tough to like take out cleanly, you know? And I, I just find him, you know, to, to be the kind of fighter that Jonathan's going to have some, some trouble with, he's not—he's not, he's not going to, you know, have his way with him. But he's not going to be able to switch up on him like he would normally. I think that you know, Belac, you know, just his, you know, just the way he's been, you know, brought in. He kind of came into the league fighting. He was an enforcer. That was, you know, sort of like his, you know, that's was his his role. And I just find it—it's going to be tough for a guy like Jonathan to take him out. You know, it's, it's not this is. It's Wade Belak, the same tier, Bouchard, you know what I mean? It's. I just He's not going to have an easy time, but it's going to be a tough one, and I like Belak, and, and a good fight, you know, a close fight, but I like Belak over Jonathan.
0: Yeah, I think it's kind of much like the, yeah, no, I agree, and I think that's one thing with Wade Belak, I mean, I think, you know, I think it gets overshadowed. You go back and look, and you look at the tremendous fight card, fought everybody, and it's just always like, you know, I, I don't ever, somebody can prove me wrong, but... I don't remember Wade Belak ever getting his ass kicked. Ever. No, yeah. not even We're against dropped? Did he ever get dropped? I, I, I mean, don't like think
1: he's so. KO'd. I don't remember him getting KO'd. You know, he's really solid. Like, I I'm very formidable. Like, and you're right, you don't think of him as being, like, this sort of elite guy, but this guy's like, you know, like Dante said, uh, one of my all-time favorite fights is, one of my favorite moments in a fight is that left-hand landing on Brescia. <laughs> so, now uh, that was brought to her to Wade Belak. You know, so he's, he's a tough guy, you know, no matter how you slice it, you know, so I, but, um, you know, a tough, tough matchup for my, for my man Jonathan.
0: Yeah, it was. Yeah, it is. And, uh, yeah, I got Wade too, but, uh, um. Yeah, even Wade Belak versus, um,
2: Derek Bugard, like a uh, prime Derek Bugard. Yeah, You know, it's yeah. it's a really good, it's a really good fight. Yeah. It's a really good fight. Um, you know, yeah. and, Wade, and Wade's
0: getting towards the end at that point too, right? And it's still... He, yes. He's still in it. And, yeah, and I remember, well, because I watched him grow up here in Saskatoon. I watched him from 16 on, Wade Belak, and he, he never really got, man, man he never got, I don't say he won every fight he was ever in, because, you know, he didn't, but, I mean, pretty well went through WHL, winning most of it, and... A, AHL, NHL, it's like, and, you know, you fighting Probert and Prime LaRock and Brashear, and, and I mean, you know, and everybody has those guys in their top whatever, and then it's like, well, Belak didn't really lose to them. I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say Wait, won. Well, I mean the one with Brashear at the left, he did, but I mean you know, with the Probert and LaRock, did Belak win those fights? Well know, probably not, but I mean, at the same time, well, those guys were kind of going through the league and Everything else, it's like, well, they didn't go through BLAC, you know, he was right with them, so yeah. Yep. I think Wade, yep. I think his win loss. I, I don't think anybody downgrades Belac. I don't think they do that, but I sometimes think the win loss record is somehow forgotten about on BLAC because it's like, yeah, he um well, and that's the other thing, I guess. Maybe it's like he didn't really win all that, like against LaRocque and all, well, the brush here, notwithstanding, but. Those other fights, maybe he didn't win them, air quote, but it's like well he didn't lose them either. So it's like, yeah, yeah, he could definitely. And
1: he was a solid, he was a solid like top ten guy too. From from you know most you know for the, I'll say and let's, you know for lack of a better time frame from Toronto on, yeah, you know at the time his time in Toronto on he was always in that top ten mix until until the year he he smoked Brashear. I think people were, you know, putting him up at like the top spot at that point or, or right near it at that point. And that was sort of like you said, like sort of like a, the later, you know, yeah. end of of this career. You know what I mean? So he was just rock solid from almost, you know, beginning to end.
0: Yeah, he was. No, great career. Um, Gore Donnelly, Craig Baruby, Steve, what's happening in this one? Um, this
1: is another one of those. Matchups, you know, between two contemporaries, you know. Um, I guess with 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 Donnelly and Berube, it you know, I, I keep going back to that great toe-to-toe uh, fight that they have. Um, I've I've actually somebody actually posted it recently in one of the uh, fight groups on Facebook, and um, you know, it's just uh, you know, a Philadelphia a Baruby, you know, against just a machine gun uh Gore Donnelly, lefty righty, just machine gun assault, you know, and I. And I gave Donnelly, uh, the edge in that one, and I, I kind of see it similarly breaking down here. Two similar styles, except, you know, one was a southpaw, and, uh, um, you know, Ruby was a right-hander, but they both loved to get them off real quick. Um, weren't afraid to go toe-to-toe. I just, I, I love both those guys. You know, they, they just represented those sort of like broken nose, bent nose, but missing tooth enforcers from the, the late 80s, early 90s. Um, so I like this matchup. I liked it, you know, when it happened. And, um, uh, you know, I think, you know, it's just going to be a real rock'em sock'em lefty, a great lefty righty, uh, toe to toe exchange with Donnelly coming out on top.
0: Dante?
2: Perfectly said again. Um, I love the Chief. I love Craig Berube. Um, and, uh, you know, Donnelly is the kind of guy that just falls outside of my, uh, of my radar a little bit um but then you know in preparing for this i i watched the watch their fights and uh you know less from donnelly rights from barubi but donnelly getting the better of the exchanges um and then there's the one fight where right off the face off the the ref pretty much shoves uh barubi from behind and Don, and donnelly takes full advantage of that and just starts hammering away at him um so yeah i mean you know they had they had some matchups and from what I could see, it's it's Donnelly coming out on top of Baruby there, but it, but absolutely love the Chief.
0: Yeah, I'm a big fan of both these guys, and uh, oh, and Don, yeah, like you said, Donnelly didn't give a shit; he wasn't wasn't afraid nope. to fight dirty. It didn't matter. Um, Baruby, I mean, yeah, I mean, I could go either way on this one. Um, whatever, I mean, yeah, like you said, Donnelly with the lefts. Um, you know, whatever. I'll, I'll say Barubi to be different, but it's like, ah, eh, either or. I mean, uh, and, I, and I think Donnelly's one of those guys. I think, you know, everybody knows the Chief and everything, but I think Donnelly's another one, a, a guy that flies under the radar of a lot of fight fans. And, yeah, because, uh, you know, he's in Quebec and he's in Winnipeg, and it's kind of like, you know, he's, then he's in Buffalo, at kind of at the end, but he's, you know, it's, it's kind of the, you know, the Ray May show at that point and Barnaby and all that. And Donnelly kind of gets, you know, backseat, so, I mean, but I'm a huge Donnelly, I love Gore Donnelly, but, um, yeah, I'd go either way, I'll sleep with Ruby, what the hell, um, the next one here, uh, Kelly Chase and Eric Goddard, Dante, what's happening, uh, I mean,
2: Kelly Chase was so much fun, um, he yeah, had that wild hairstyle, with kind of like the you know the shaved sides and everything, and that weird flat top going on. Um, I mean, just completely uh, fun as hell, energy fighter like crazy. Um, but uh, Goddard, I mean, Goddard's fight card is ridiculous. Not that Chase isn't, but I felt like he was always kind of the number two guy, um, and, and Goddard was just you know the hand of God there, uh, so powerful. Um, he's got this, he's got a bit of size on him, like four inches and about 30 pounds. That just, I think he's too much. I think he's too much for, uh, for chase here, but, but chase would do it. And, uh, you know, but I, I don't think, I don't think he comes out on top of this one, Steve. Yeah, I have to agree. Uh, this is a, a tough matchup
1: for chase. Like, I see Chase being game and hanging tough and, you know, Chase was always like one of those guys that, you know, had some, you know, had that technical ability to kind of creep back into certain fights, you know, that he looked a little little overwhelmed at, at first. But in this one here, I just think, you know, Goddard is just too tall in order here. I just, there's too much Goddard, you know, goes right at him and it's just straight up from the beginning. Chase is just holding on. There's really not much you can do. Lines been coming in. They clear win Goddard.
0: Yeah, I'm in the same boat. And, uh, yeah, Chase would hang, be valiant, you know, and defeat. But uh, I think if Goddard, a pissed-off Goddard in the mood, Goddard is beating anybody. Anybody. That's a problem. Yeah. Y- anybody. Y- yep. and it's uh, like, agreed. Yeah, and I mean, I think Goddard, with a lot of the, the knock on Goddard, if you could give him one, was he'd fight to his competition. And I don't mean that as a slight to anybody, but if it was sort of a guy that you would think, Oh, Goddard's going to murder this guy. It would be kind of even. Or Goddard would look kind of uninterested. And it was like, what the fuck? But all of a sudden he'd fight. Well, he gets called up and he's fighting Bugard. And he drops him, you know. And it's like, holy shit, you know. And it's like, but yeah, he'd fight to his competition. And yeah, he was, yeah, Goddard, he's mean man. And when he wanted to be one of the best when he was in the mood. Um... Well, the next one, Wolfman Jack McElhargy and the Bomber Kim Baumgartner. Steve, what you saying? Um, you know this is
1: um, you know an odd odd matchup. You know you got kind of like a machine gunning you know right hander like like Wolfman going against uh the awkward you know stylings of Kenny Baumgartner. You know who I who I have found to be one of the more unusual style fighters that you're going to find. Um, you know, would punch you off the front foot a lot. He was, you know, he, you know, he had different grips. He would actually, you know, throw backhands in fights. You know, he was, you know, if you ever sit down and take a good little YouTube run of some of Baumgartner's, you know, fights, you'll, you can kind of see some of his style come through, and it's, you know, very unusual, different than a lot of the other other fighters you're gonna see. And I think he does, you know, he does the same thing to, with McIlroy. He kind of confounds uh, Jack Mac. Uh, Jack Mack wants a big, uh, you know, machine gun battle. And uh, Blommer wants to kind of swing him around a bit by the collar of his, you know, his jersey, and he wants to work the left and the right, so a little backhand, and then a pull and a and a step back, and then he's, you know, raking a right across your face from in tight. He's just, uh, you know, then he's crossing, gripping you, and he's, you know, got you all tied up a little bit, and then he's swinging, him, you know, for the fences against you. He's, you know, um, going to be a tough fighter for Magalardi style-wise, and I like I like Kenny in this one.
0: That's it
2: agreed um yeah uh McElard, he throws rights and he throws volume right he throws a ton uh i don't know about power on some of these punches um and and uh like steve said no quit in bomber he he'll be on his back uh, you know underneath three guys and still be just punching away um Wore the Jaffa helmet, had the flow going, always seemed to have a black eye. Uh, just like your classic eighties, nineties hockey fighter. I love the guy. Um, yeah, I'm i I'm picking
0: Bomber. Yeah, like I I think like Steve said, I think Bomber's got that unorthodox kind of this weird like I think McLarvy's trying to come forward and swing and Bomber's kinda of got that leaning away spin thing, but then kind of that backhanded elbow thing going and over the shoulder and underneath and 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 bomber had power too. I mean, you know He could he could turn out your lights too with this weird angle punches and yeah, I think it's I think it would just be uh, One's looking for mayhem and the other one's just kind of uh, tying up and being awkward and I think Mac Harvey gets frustrated with it But yeah, bomber I got bomber um, But yeah, I'm a big fan of both these guys Um, the next one We got uh, the final second last fight of the night here, Jay Miller and Joey Koser. Uh, Steve, what's happening? Uh, This is,
1: I mean, this is one of those ones
0: uh, where you know you kind of have video evidence to kind of back up
1: your call. And these these two guys uh, matched up when both were you know pretty much in each other's primes. You know, or you could argue uh, they were in each other's primes anyway. And um, and Koser, I thought you could. I always thought of Miller, one of the, the, the strengths of, of Jay Miller was, you know, he was one of those guys that had great technical abilities. You know, he was a little awkward in his own way, but he was very strong for a guy his size. Um, but against Kosar, I think, you know, we talk about his power, but this guy was incredibly strong. You um, farm boy strong, you know, um, and just a load to, to kind of contain. You can kind of see Miller struggle, you know, with Kosar. You know, I think and, and to me it was more – you know, that strength of Joe Koser and, and just dealing with that, and, you know, of course you're worried about the big bomb, but you know, um, I, I, I think with this one, there's just enough footage for us to kind of, you know, okay. I, I like Koser
2: in this one. Dirty. Yeah. I know Jay Miller's a, he's like a, he's like a cult like hero for a lot of guys and deservedly. So, uh, fought everyone fought really well. um, but yeah, I mean, in their head-to-heads, to me watching them, it's it seems like um, it seems like Kosher is the one that Miller is trying to beat, you know, and he has to try to prove he could beat Kosher more than the other way around. And uh, I think Joe was able to just stretch out that left and and keep looking for that right, and and Miller probably really is just kind of trying. Not to get hit by that more and maybe, maybe not necessarily fighting the way he would fight other guys because he knows that big right is always looming. Um, but I think, yeah, I mean, they're close fights, uh, but I go kosher.
0: Yeah, well, like you said, the proof's out there, right? And it's kind of a prime thing. I mean, you know, you, the the fight happened and there, the fights happened and there they were. Um, yeah, and I think, I think kosher's power definitely altered Miller's style. Like, or it seemed to appear that way, compared to what Miller, yeah. you know, and uh yeah, I gotta go. I gotta go with the former. I gotta go with Saskatoon, guys. So Joey Coaster, but um, <laughs> well, boys, the final fight. We finally made it to the final bout, and uh, <laughs> Sandy McCarthy and Ben Wilson. I know this this is a special place in Steve's heart. He's always promoting Ben <laughs> Wilson awareness. So I'll start, Steve. What do what we got? Sandy's no slouch though. So what are we doing here? No well how about this, is this? Like, can this is... how about you start with me and then i'll just let
2: steve take over <laughs> okay well, well go dante what are you all thinking right. here? Uh, okay all right all right ben wilson steve take it away
0: there we go <laughs> <laughs> um
2: well this is a great this is another
1: one of the great matchups of the whole tournament um and this one here and uh it is a bit this is an era mashup you know but I think Ben Wilson is one of those guys that is, you know, as, you know, we've, you know, as many of the, the fight fans know, um, he's one of the true all-time greats. And again, not to, to say that McCarthy's no slouch, I've taken some flack in the past because I, I include uh, Sandy McCarthy as part of my top 10 all time. I think he was one of the great young fighters to ever, you know, come into the NHL. He really went on a tremendous run in Calgary. Like, uh you know, he wasn't, uh, knocking guys out or breaking faces or anything like that, but he was, in my opinion, right away, you know, took the belt away from Probert. And, you know, a lot of people like to talk about, you know, Tony Twist around that time, but, you know, I didn't see Twist take out McCarthy. You know, so it was, to me, McCarthy was that was that guy. And, um, you know, just just on that that great tremendous running Calgary, I always, you know, looked upon him favorably. Whenever we started ranking these fighters for all time, um, is in a. A uh, toe-to-toe prime versus prime matchup. This is a great fight. This is one of the best ones of the entire tournament. Um, You know, McCarthy's no slouch. You know, tying up fighters neither, but you know he's going to have a, a lot of trouble getting his right free against Ben Wilson. Wilson's got to clamp that down, and he's going to force McCarthy to fight left-handed. Um, so, and that's where the fight's going to be. That's you're going to see um, a left-handed, you know, right-handed exchange between McCarthy and Wilson. And you know, I'm, what's going to happen is. You know they're going to be opening up, and after a few you know exchanges, they're going to they're going to clinch, and that's where Wilson's going to be able to get the cut going. So this is going to be a real close fight, a great one. This is probably one of those ones that we, you know, you find on your greatest of or your best of tapes. You know what I mean? Uh, but I got Wilson. Maybe I am a little biased. I do you know look at this as even though it's the Bob Probert Invitational, I always pump it as National you know Ben Wilson Awareness Day um, just to keep <laughs> pumping it. because he always seemed to be. Whenever we had these little talks and debates, he seemed to always be overlooked. I always felt like nobody really knew who he was. It's time to to get him out here, and uh, maybe this is his year. But I like Wilson in this this one against McCarthy in a great battle, and it's it is tough for me to choose the two of my favorite fighters.
0: There we go, and I mean, uh, yeah, I wanted to end on that note, and I because I knew I knew you uh, not only with Ben Wilson, of course, but I knew you were a big uh, you know Sandy booster as well, and I think. And and I think that's another guy that's sort of, and, and I think sort of, and I don't mean this in a disrespectful way to Sandy, but I think how his career sort of ended, I think left a, I think yes. an unfairly sour taste in people's mouth, and I think they kind of get this, oh Sandra, you know that shit, and it's like, yeah, no, 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 go back, if you go back and watch the Calgary stuff, and then into Tampa, McCarthy was a killer man, and. Um, yeah, and he could. You yeah. know
1: what's funny? If you want to check, you want to check something out. Not to cut you off, but and just to further emphasize this, the point, if if you go back and you check his Calgary run, oh, you know, and you you go even a little further. I mean, I don't know if he was ever decisively beaten. And when I say that, like suffered a bad loss, I mean like a KO or a bad bloodletting or something like that. He, you know, he went over like a hundred fights or something like that without really suffering any major major losses. You know, that's incredible in, in that era of fighting. You know, if, he, if you take a look at his card and you take a look at the footage, you know, you really won't see very many, like, you know, losses during that time in Calgary. It's, it's incredible the that he went on. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there because he, he is one of those special fighters, and he does kind of get overlooked, you know, because of how things went, you know, at the end of his career.
0: Yeah, well, it's true. And I think, and like I said, that get lost on people, the Calgary stuff and the Tampa. I mean, yeah, it is a run that is almost unmatched really for the length for to not really suffer. And then it's just amazing just how quickly he went downhill, you know, and it was like, what the fuck, you know, what happened? But it was just like, but yeah. And I, and like I said, I think, you know, the, you know, injuries, the desire and everything else, just getting older, you know, it hit him hard and quick, but yeah, with that initial first five, six, seven years in the six years in the league, unbelievable and i i highly recommend people go down the the early sandy mccarthy years because you will be impressed and it'll it'll change your mind on a few things that's for sure but absolutely boys that was a hell of a we you know we, we put in a solid like two and a half hours here uh, you know if the people are still awake there i think they're, they're gonna have to listen to this in shifts but uh <laughs> i want to thank you guys for hanging on the line here and and, and uh Taken apart. I, I, know this is one of my favorite, uh, times that, you know, one of my favorite episodes of the year is the, the Bob Probert, uh, preview show. And, uh, Steve, I want to thank you for coming on once again and Dante, the, the new guy for coming on and, and, uh, I, I want to thank both of you for, uh, for taking the time tonight. I know I, I took a lot of your time and, uh, you know, and I know it's getting late where you guys are, but, uh, thank you very much, both of you.
1: Oh, thanks for having us, uh, Darren. I appreciate it. And Dante, great job tonight, man. This is, uh, this is great. It's a lot of fun. I, I kind of look forward
3: to this every year, whether
1: I'm, you know, breaking down the matchups or just, you know, doing the voting in the tournament. This is awesome. I always love it. Uh, Darren, thanks for putting this together again for us.
2: Yeah. Thank you so much, Darren. Steve, it's, it was an absolute honor. Uh, I have so much respect for your knowledge with, with, uh, the fight game and I, I always look forward to your episodes. With Darren, um, and Darren, you know uh, I'm always there for you no matter what, buddy. So thank you for having me on, and uh, it was it was a true pleasure. I loved it.
0: Excellent, I appreciate it, guys. And for you guys listening, sat this Saturday, September third, high noon. The first, the opening eight bouts are going to start. So get out and vote. And uh, on Twitter, if you're not on Twitter, you're just oh, I'm just a Facebook guy. Go create an egg on Twitter, be ABC123, whatever you got to do. Take you a minute and a half to sign up. Just sign up, follow the fourth line voice just to get out and vote. But uh, once again, thank you guys. And for those listening, get out and vote and uh, it'll be fun. Thanks everybody.